yesterday, mm-hmm. I took that political test. Right. Take Did- a guess on what I am. Um, okay, so if I remember right, it's... Did you download the little poster thing? I didn't download it. I took a um, a screenshot. Oh, okay. So, so if I remember right, it's like authoritarian on top. Yeah, it's libertarian on the bottom. Mm. Left and right. Yes. Right. Mm-hmm. Okay, so I'm gonna assume you're in the. Oh, I don't know. Maybe leaning right, libertarian. <laughs> wow. That's surprising. Why do you th- why do you think I'm leaning right? Well, because you're more conservative. You think so? Absolutely. Oh wow! Really? <laughs> I don't know. When I was taking the test, I was taking a really long time because I didn't like the four answer yeah, thing. Uh, what strongly disagree, disagree, mm-hmm. agree, strongly yeah. agree. Yeah, I think I only str- like strongly on maybe like four or five things but everything else was like agree disagree agree disagree agree disagree well that was the thing with the whole test a lot of people say it's not a good test to see where you're politically leaning yeah because you could have the same reasoning for two different answers Mm -hmm. or you could have like some of them are so nuanced that it's like Am I agree or disagree like how you were with the abortion one or what was the other one that you had? What, where I just had like a question about it? No, because you didn't know which one to pick because... Oh, it was, um, it was, um, the women, uh, like Oh, if they should stay home. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, that's the one. Yeah. So wait, me and you were actually pretty close. You think so? Yeah. Because I was near the middle, like the middle line from left, left and right. I was closer to that. I was further away from a libertarian. So that's where I'm at. That red dot. Mm. <laughs> I like how you have all these like funny little. Well, that's why I asked if you downloaded the poster because it shows you who you're like next to and everything. Mm. So let me see yours again. Yeah. So like. So it looks like you're right around... Who is that? I don't know. It's got like this weird cursive writing. Howie Hankins? Howie Hankins. And you're right about right there in Bernie Sanders. Yeah. So I think I'm... Yeah, I think I'm right below him. You're somewhere in that area. Mm-hmm. Can you send me that picture? Too. Yeah, yeah. This mic is insane. Actually, <laughs> for I... how little it is, it picks up every little thing. No wonder, um, uh, like, not reaction channels, but like people who go out into the world mm-hmm. and try to get reactions from people use these mics because it's actually like crazy. Don't they just use their phone? I see a lot of them will just like hold their phone like this. Yeah, some people will use their phone, but like more professional, quote unquote. Like the one you told me about, the, um, what is her name? The girl, like, uh, she does the videos where you don't see the people's faces and they say, like, uh, 
confession or a secret or oh, something like oh. it's like I think her name's Thray or um yeah her name is like here, let me see I gotta gotta go through the my hundred plus subscriber <laughs> list I think her name is like Theora Thray I yeah. binged some uh, a lot of those videos when you told me about it da, da, da. <laughs> Thorea Moronesi. I think that's how you pronounce it, yeah. But like, oh, her recently new video, mm -hmm. um, Would You Like to Have Some Tea With Me With mm -hmm. Strangers is actually really interesting. I recommend you should watch it. Well, see, I would, but YouTube did not recommend me it, even though I'm subscribed. <laughs> well, you know, sometimes you gotta go on the subscribe like list you gotta click on their name look at their video I hate that though I should be able to go to subscriptions and it just pops up everything right well yeah but I mean you have to scroll down because it's based on like daily uploads so like if someone uploads every day you'll see their video you know at the top of the list because it's how because mine is like if it was uploaded an hour ago it'll yeah, be yeah. the newly it'll be the first one that you see at the top left because I watch on the television and not on my computer or phone or anything mm. right yeah the the videos are based on like time that's, that's what I'm saying like um like if someone uploads every day mm -hmm. right then you'll always see their videos like on, if you go to like this subscription thing mm -hmm. you look at it you'll always see their videos but if like the person we just mentioned think they upload I want to say like once a week then you're less likely to see their video okay well there's like a YouTube channel that I watch and they upload they used to upload every week and mm. it was consistently like every Thursday or they'd switch it to like every Wednesday or something like, mm. right like that but uh, then now it's switched to like they might upload it once every two three weeks and I still get their videos in my subscription box. Now, is that because like near, I watch them? Near the top? Well, no, it'll be in order. So, like, that day when I turn on the Switch, right, and go to the app and everything, it'll be, like, one hour ago, um, such and such uploaded. Yeah. Two hours ago, they uploaded, and then you just keep going down, and it'll be, like, 14 hours ago that channel uploaded mm -hmm. I do have to scroll all the way down to you know 14 hours ago mm -hmm. but it's there but the girl that we were just talking about I never see her videos in the subscriptions thing in the subscription box she's in my list of subscriptions but her video doesn't actually pop up when she uploads mm. let me see yeah cause the one she just made about um Having Tea with Strangers was uploaded seven days ago. And then the newest video after that was three weeks ago. Oh, wow. Then the newest one after that is four weeks. Then five months ago, five months ago, five months ago, six months ago. So. It's all over the place. Kinda. And I know YouTube likes it when you People. churn out that content. Yeah. Because, <laughs> like, if I go to my subscriptions, right, and I scroll down instantly the first thing is someone who uploads every day 
then someone who uploads every day, then someone who uploads every day, every day. <laughs> so, I mean, like, if you're on the grind uploading every day, I feel like you're more likely to see their videos in the subscription box thing. Mm-hmm. Because, like, I have a YouTuber on my subscriptions that uploads maybe, like, once every seven months, right? But but they're, like, an hour and a half, two-hour videos. Okay. Right? And, like, sometimes I have to go digging for their new video. Like, it's actually crazy. But how do you know when to go digging for it? Or you just, like, wait a few months? Yeah, I, I wait a few months... I like click on their channel and mm-hmm. see if there's a new video. If there's, if there's not, and then I go watch something else. See, I don't. I can't do that. If it don't, if it's not right there, I don't go looking for it. Mainly because I forget mm. that the channel even existed. Mm. How, how many uh, people you subscribe to? Oh lord. On YouTube. Have you ever done like uh, every like few years you'll purge your subscription list? Yeah. 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 <laughs> yeah. Alright, let's see here. And it's crazy about how many people you just forget. Um, where does it tell you? Um, I want to say... No. Because I'm on the list right now, but I don't see the number. Mm. I mean, I know I know. if you look up on, the, um, on your computer, it gives you a number. I don't know. Well, it's, it, we'll just say it's quite a lot, because here, I'll start at the top, and... Done. Oh, yeah. So it's probably around 100. Even though I don't watch half of these people. Yeah, I know. I feel like you go through phases with, like, YouTube subscribers. Like, I, I catch myself all the time, like, subscribing to someone, watching their content for, like, a couple of months, unsubscribing, and then months later coming back to their content mm-hmm. it's just like I don't know it's who, weird. who was like a old YouTuber that you used to watch but you never would hit unsubscribe even though you never watch their content anymore have you have you had that <laughs> oh yeah for sure let me see um oh so they're still in your list and you just won't hit unsubscribe yeah no um it's Either it's either a person named Alec Steele. Mm-hmm. He makes like blacksmithing videos. Oh wow! Yeah, uh, they're very satisfying. Very satisfying. That because I think I've had him on my subscription list for four years, mm-hmm. and I barely watch his content. <laughs> also, so why not hit unsubscribe? Because you know, every once in a while, I like I like to watch. <laughs> well, when's the last time you watched one of his videos? Mm-hmm. Like, if you had to guess, you know, four months ago. Oof. <laughs> <laughs> um, and then I got I got like um, this person. He's like a he's an art YouTuber. He's called Slew. Oh, I know Slew. Yeah. He's the guy that did the, um... He does, like, the, the painting stuff, and he has, like, the weird, like, head paint thing that's, like, iconic to him. Head paint thing. I think I know what you're talking about. He did, like, four different versions of it in, like, different colors, 
but he's also the guy that did like a renaissance painting of himself mm-hmm. or something where, like that where he made himself look like a like king arthur yes yeah, and he was yeah. holding a sword yeah 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 i know him from uh 10 hundred i know 10 hundred yeah and i heard of 10 hundred from i want to say jazza i think it's jazza do you watch jazza here and there mm-hmm. you know some of his stuff is like it's too much you know but i'm not really there for him i'm there for the art i see i you see know? i don't know i can't i can't watch people like jazza i feel like they like put on like it's um, a whole fake person yeah it's not really him yeah it's yeah. like it's like super over the top for no reason like i like i like 10 hundred and slew because they're more laid back chill also i recommend if you like those two you should like or you should watch a person called kip toe he does a lot of spray paint murals and stuff was he part of that um because 10 hundred started that um what was it called it was the 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 painting that you sent to different art youtubers yeah that one Mm -hmm. was he part of that he was a part of the second one yeah oh i haven't seen it i didn't even know there was a second one yeah there there was a a first one and then a second one i want to say there's a third but i'm i'm not sure about that one because i know the first one got sent to like four or five art different artists yeah because the first one was 10 hundred right Slew was in it. Slew. Jazza was in it. Jazza. I um, think that one girl. Nerd Forge. Nerd Forge, yes. Um, and then, I feel like I'm missing out on someone. There was a guy. I think he did the crow part. But I don't know him. Mm. I don't watch his stuff. It was yeah the crow. And then there was a guy who did the, the like, frame the crystal, frame. Right? Yeah. It was like Bobby something. Yeah, I want to say maybe Bobby Carpentry or something. I, I doubt it's that. Yeah, but. and then and then there was the guy who did like the weird like leprechaun in the bottom right hand corner. I gotta look up a picture of it now. <laughs> yeah, how would I even look that up? Uh, mm. Let's see, ten hundred painting collab. Painting collab. We'll see what comes up. Okay, the videos come up. I need images. Here we go. Here we go. This is it. I don't know if it's like a leprechaun, but it's like a, it's like a small person. Yeah, it's kind of like a leprechaun-looking person, and then those are the ten hundred or no, the slew faces. Yeah, yeah. Right, and then Nerd Forge did oh. the girl, right? No, the nerd Nerd Forge did the, um, the dog and okay. like some of the background, and then um, a graffiti artist named Doke did the graffiti okay right there i can't remember who did the crow i have no idea who did the crow either jazza did like the moon and like the rocks falling is that a moon or no like saturn or a planet yeah it's more of like a planet and then you had the carpentry guy do the frame yeah yeah but there's a second one i know for a fact there's a second one well i gotta watch that because i really enjoyed watching you know like each artist do their like little interpretation all the way through mm-hmm. i did not like waiting for the uh frame to be done mm. you know it took too long for me but you know i said patient yeah yeah uh but yeah i recommend there's a second one for sure also um have you seen the ten hundreds like where he tries to do like his interpretation of like famous 
like really famous works of art. Mm-hmm. Um, I think he's like, I can't remember exactly, but it's like he did his own version of The Last Supper. Mm-hmm. And he like did a whole bunch of research and like tried to get into the thought process. And he like created his his Last Supper. Well, is it still the same with like Jesus and well, I all mean, the people surrounding him? I mean, he has like his interpretation of the characters. Like he makes his own characters. Oh, okay. And then like, but he has the exact same pose, same setting. Mm-hmm. But like, the setting is different. Like, because in the Last Supper, it's like um, like a cathedral. I want to say it's a cathedral. Yeah, but. I'm not 100% sure. Mm-hmm. But in his, it's like a cathedral, but like more modernized. And like, I don't know if you remember, but in the Last Supper painting, there's like giant paintings of like, I want to say kings and queens. I don't remember that. Yeah. All, all I can remember really is like the table. Yeah. You got, I think Jesus is in the middle. Mm-hmm. And he's got like his arms kind of open. You know? And then he's got, well, how many people is it? 13 people around him? I think so. And then uh, in the background, if I remember right, it's like pillars at the very, very back of the painting. I remember pillars. Oh, okay, yeah. So we were wrong about the cathedral. <laughs> I mean, it could be a cathedral. You think so? Maybe an old time shanty cathedral but a cathedral <laughs> nonetheless but yeah there's a lot of people and he uh 10 hundred basically he made his own characters but like i don't want to say like their own ranking system but he had like a power system to them a power system <laughs> like, i don't know i don't know how to i don't know what to say but like but like we all know that like Jesus is in the middle because he has the most influence. There we go. Oh, okay. He has the most influence. And so Ten Hundred was just like, okay, I need to make the person in the middle look like they have the most influence. Mm-hmm. And it's actually cool about how his thought process and his um, like just creative thinking about these different characters and like how the setting can correlate to the characters and everything it's a good series it's like uh it's not one video it's multiple videos yeah i think he's on part six so it's not done from what i know no but i haven't watched the newest episode part six i haven't Mm -hmm. watched it yet so did he also use like the same painting techniques as he's going Mm -hmm. through and like did he try and use the same um paint um is basically what I'm trying to say just the paint itself because mm. I saw one episode of where Jazza was painting and he was using um, different uh, paint pigments and then using egg yolk and I guess that's how they used to do it way back when mm-hmm. did he do that or did he use modern paint he used modern paint okay but I don't want to I don't want to say he didn't use like the old painting techniques because I'm not 100% sure Mm -hmm. but I definitely want to say most of it is just 
him modernizing the painting and using modern techniques and just like flipping it in his own style. So taking influence of the old painting and flipping it with a modernized new style. Yeah, so like think of it as like um, someone making a cover of a song, mm-hmm. but they like modern modernize it and then like use their own style on the song. Yeah. Yeah. So it's just a new imp- interpretation of an old piece of art. Exactly, basically. yeah. And but it's not Jesus. And it's not religious Mm-mm, based at all. It's not religious whatsoever, I'm pretty sure. Um, ten Han Last Supper. Let's see. I don't I don't know if I'm going to uh, find it. Maybe if I go to like a video. Oh, I'm sorry, this might rape. Oh, YouTube ad. Unskippable, by the way. Man, them YouTube ads are getting bad. <laughs> I had one. It was 800 hours. <laughs> what? And I was like, what? it was skippable, thankfully. Oh, okay. But it was 800 hours, and I was like, who is going to sit here and watch this? Hmm. And you know what's really sad? Hmm. When you go to, when you click on the YouTube, or the YouTube video... And the ad pops up, and you're like, oh, great, it's another YouTube ad. But it turns out to be somebody's music video, mm. and they expect you to sit there and watch their music video. Yeah. It's just like, I don't know. I feel like if you're trying to make someone watch like a music video and an ad, you have to make it short, sweet, and like rememberable. Which, I mean, I think we can both agree that that's kind of really hard to do, right? But like, I don't know. Do something that is like big. Well, you know, a lot of people. Um, and great. Because I've heard that, um, what is her name? Uh, she's a really popular singer. She used to date MGK Halsey. Halsey, yeah. Apparently, uh, she's not allowed to. I don't know if she's put out a new album or anything because I don't follow her music, but I was uh, reading about this. Uh, her label won't let her drop her album unless she can create something that's like that'll go viral Hmm. with you know tiktok youtube whatever and apparently that's what a lot of label companies are doing now to artists really if you can't get that viral single to go and blow up you're not putting out an album because it's not worth it to them wow that's kind of messed up they want like another you know little nas x um Billie Eilish to an extent mm-hmm. so um, someone that can just make them a lot of revenue well no they just want one big hit from you they don't care oh okay you know so like uh, Glass Animals I know was a mm-hmm. band that got big mm-hmm. uh, for I don't even know the name of the song but I know how it goes yeah <laughs> I'm pretty sure everyone knows how it goes um, but yeah I didn't realize that like they were stopping like um, people under labels like, I don't know how um, extensive it is and everything, mm-hmm. but she did say that they will not let her drop her album unless she can come up with a hit. Wow. So I don't know if they're stopping. I'm pretty sure they're not stopping Little Nas X, Billie Eilish. Maybe they're only stopping her because she's not as big of a name as them, you know? Also, it might be because... I mean, I'm pretty sure that Halsey has had a big hit, but it's... Oh, well, of course, well... 
most people know who she is. Yeah, yeah, but like, that's like a couple of years ago, maybe like five, six, seven mm-hmm. years ago, right? So I think that's why they're putting pressure on her because like... You're becoming irrelevant. Kind you of. You need to make something and kind make of. your name pop off. Kind of. Yeah. Maybe that's why they're stopping because like Little Nas X, like you said, Billy Eilish to an extent, they're still new, relevant, like probably millions yeah. of people are listening to their music, right? But I don't know. Me personally, when I've like talked to people just like outside of the random world, like I don't really hear people listening like Halsey, yeah, and, right, <laughs> and stuff like that, you know. So, so like in the same vein of music, I have a question for you. Mm-hmm. So like with because the Billboard top 100 they now if i remember right they count youtube streams spotify streams and all that kind of stuff as Mm -hmm. like buying yeah the record and everything because nobody really buys records anymore how do you feel about people like drake and stuff breaking quote-unquote breaking records that were you know made in the past by i think like the beatles michael jackson elvis and stuff like they're breaking all these records even though they haven't sold as many records as them they're they're just counting the streams mm, I, I definitely think it's kind of not fair mm-hmm. because like i mean i can understand if they counted like if, if spotify had like a um like a feature where you can buy the album like the full album mm-hmm. Right, kind of like how iTunes used to have mm-hmm. back in the day. You go on the computer and buy it. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. Like I can understand like something like that, right? But like I don't think it's fair to like old records, right? Because when you sold a half a million records back then, yeah, you actually sold yeah. half a million. Yeah. But Nowadays, they might listen to one or two songs on your album. Yeah, and, and they and they only pay yeah. ten bucks a month. For the streaming service. Yeah, for the streaming service, not for the record itself. Right. So I feel like... I don't want to say it's kind of like an insult mm-hmm. to the old people who like hold the hold the records like Beatles, Elvis. I'm not sure. I think it's Michael Jackson that has it. Mm-hmm. But I just said the big names because, you know... <laughs> yeah, every, everyone knows those, mm-hmm. right? Um, but yeah, I think... It, I, I want to say it's kind of like an insult. So what if they put like an asterisk next to Drake's name and then down below, well, it doesn't really beat out whoever it actually holds the record, you know? Mm-hmm. I think I think that that would be fair. But I mean, obviously, like all forms of art have to like evolve and change. Mm-hmm. So I mean, like this might be like the new evolution of like figuring out who's like the biggest artist or the most popular artist right oh yeah i know that Mm. you know i know it has to change and transform because because no one really buys records anymore Mm. and people that do they're usually buying older records Mm -hmm. or maybe an artist will you know do like a limited run of a vinyl record or cassette tapes are coming back Mm -hmm. i've heard Mm -hmm. um i mean it's also very rare for an artist to like make an actual vinyl because mm-hmm. like you said not as many people are buying them but I feel like I don't know I feel like 
having a vinyl record is just there's there's something different to it than just having like you opening Spotify and clicking on a song right like if you buy a vinyl record like you can tell a person is like a dedicated fan or like without sounding weird it's more intimate you know yeah you have to pull the vinyl from the shelf yeah you have to open it put it on the record player mm-hmm. you know depending on what kind of record player you have you might have to actually put the needle down on mm-hmm. it, you know it's more of a experience mm-hmm. you know i feel like spotify and everything is more of like we're in the car you put in the audio jack or you connect to the bluetooth or whatever yeah and you just put some road music on yeah actually yeah yeah i've never thought of spotify like that where it's like you only use it for when you're traveling or like when you're doing a task that isn't just like relaxing at home because like you hear people you know using it in the car airplane yeah. airplanes train rides mm-hmm. um people listening to music on at work mm-hmm. you know it's like that that's another thing you also don't see many people just like taking their time to sit down and actually listen to music and like actually learn how music is like developed and like how much thought goes into into each note Mm -hmm. and then once the song is complete and everything and you have a whole album's worth of music you have to compose the list and how it runs down Mm -hmm. because you want to have a feeling throughout the Mm -hmm. entire album Mm -hmm. yeah but most people nowadays they're just like oh I want a song that I want to listen to like these three songs for the next week yeah and then it's just like I like that genre so I'll just find stuff like that like um, a trend that I've been noticing about pretty much everyone I talk to about music is they like very not slow but like melodical music (laughs) where it's just very um Uh, what's the word it's very atmospheric is that the word you're looking for I don't want to say atmospheric but it's very like vibey it's like very you're not trying to say like it's it's very loose it's very um, like lo-fi kind of like lo-fi hip hop right Mm -hmm. kind of like that where people just want something where it's not really like they can like bob their head to right but it's more of like something where it's like you can have it in the background and enjoy it because I mean like let's be honest when was the last time you heard someone say oh yeah I like to put on heavy metal music in the background and not really pay attention well I'm sure there's some people well I mean obviously there's gonna be exceptions but it's a it's a huge cultural thing so you know like if I remember right during uh, or after World War II a lot of happier music was being made I think right near the end of the war and after the war mm-hmm. because no one wants to hear anything sad depressing or yeah. sad after you know an entire world war mm-hmm. now we haven't had anything like that yeah. happen in some time but it's also come down to with uh, people don't like even listening to lyrics anymore oh yeah they'll sing along to the lyrics but they don't really even know what they're saying yeah like it's actually crazy I had a conversation with my friend where she was just like you know I love this person's music right I love the beat and this and that I'm just like 
do you like do you pay attention to the lyrics like when you like if you like they say let's say they drop an album mm-hmm. right are you actually going to like listen to the lyrics the first time you hear it and she was just like no like I want to listen to the beat and if I you know get a good vibe from the beat I like the song and it's just like I feel like well, I think, I think I'm like that, too. Because, mm-hmm. like, you first time you listen to an album, like, let's say the first time I listened to Mad Villainy, mm-hmm. right? I, if I remember right, I didn't listen to the lyrics. Like, I wasn't deep diving into them, you know? They were there, and I was conscious of them. You know, you get a laugh here, or, you know, you're like, oh, that was a good lyric here and there. But the second listen is where I would actually, you know dissect lines and yeah break it all down yeah but like the person i'm talking about she's just like the lyrics are there but i'm not listening to them like at all like how you said you were like i'm consciously listening to them like i get a laugh every now and then right she's just like the lyrics are there so she'll will she sing along to them no as well oh so they're not even there they're not even there it's literally just the beat and if she feels that the beat hits she'll like the song and then take the time to listen to the lyrics i think that's how a lot of or i'd say most people are now yeah when it comes to music yeah as long as the beat is good they're in for the ride i feel like i feel like that's kind of depressing though it is it is because you have you know somebody like uh who's somebody real lyrical kendrick lamar he dropped an album not too long ago right mm-hmm. I guarantee you a lot of people don't actually listen to the lyrics. Mm-hmm. They're just like, oh, this beat is fat. And mm-hmm. then it's like, that's it. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Like, um, speaking about Kendrick Lamar's new album, uh, there was like a whole bunch of like controversy about when he dropped it, about how like people were expecting it to explode and how like it didn't really explode when, I mean, it actually did. Because like, now, like you said, uh, bringing it back to the one, top 100 billboard, mm-hmm. how they're counting the streams. Like, within the first week, he had, like, 1 billion, like, streams and views mm-hmm. on his album. And, like, that, that's kind of, like, the weird mix, right? Because people are like, oh, it flopped because he only sold, like, 100,000 records, right? And it's just, like, that's still a lot of records, right? It, it, it is, but you got to look at it at the, you know, grand scheme of things. Because of the way the internet is now and everything, mm-hmm. we live in a society where everything is accessible. Mm-hmm. You know, it's not like back in the day where you had to go to the record store and buy the album physically, and then if you were the one that had it, everyone listened to it with you. Yeah, yeah. You don't need anybody anymore. All you need is your phone, your computer, or whatever, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. So I think that's what they mean that by it. Sure, he got a billion streams, but it flopped in the grand scheme of things. Because how many streams does Lil Nas X get, for example? Billie Eilish get, mm-hmm. for example. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. So in a sense, did he really flop? No, because he probably made who knows how much money <laughs> yeah. off of that album. Mm-hmm. But comparatively to you know other artists... It may not be as much. And if you're not making as much, people see it as a flop. Yeah. You know? Which, honestly, is to me, it's kind of weird to think that way. Because, like, me personally, I think, 
uh, music is the same thing as like wine <laughs> when it ages it gets better like in my opinion well it depends on the song because I mean if you go back to like uh, what, what is that song Disco Duck <laughs> that was a number one hit in America <clears throat> yeah when it first came out yeah you listen to that now I mean I, I kind of like the song <laughs> but it, nobody's gonna listen to that song nowadays mm, I, you never know disco culture is coming back well, I think a lot of cultures come about. I think we're starting to get to an era in like music mm-hmm. where they're taking eighties and nineties and like maybe a little bit of seventies, and mm-hmm. like they'll pick one of those three, right, and make it like the main course of a song mm-hmm. or an album, and then they'll take the other two decades and they'll just kind of like weave it in, mm-hmm. in and out of that one. Yeah, I feel like I think it's mostly with music now. But mostly in all art forms, we're not really making new, like new progressive stuff. It's mostly just taking old stuff and like combining it together, which I guess is making like a new type of thing, right? Because <laughs> you have like so many genres that are like that cropped up in like the past few years. Yeah, totally brand new. Yeah, like totally brand new, like. Um, like what is the one Trent keeps talking about? Lo-fi indie oh, folk pop or yeah, something like that. Yeah, yeah. Where it's like four or five different genres mixed into one, right? So you mm-hmm. kind of get like a feel for a little bit of everything. But I mean, like, I don't know. Would you would you consider that like a new genre of music, or would you consider it just like a collab of everything old and? Another question on top of that, would you also say that we're progressing if we combined? Okay, so to answer the first one, mm-hmm. in the name itself, like the one we just used as an example, mm. no. But is it a new genre? Yeah, absolutely, because you probably, I mean, maybe if you go back far enough in music, you've heard something close to it, mm. and it just never took off like it has now, mm. because you know you have so many new niche um, mm. genres and everything mm. but yeah I'd say it's new because you know you take influence from somewhere else and add it to this thing it's a whole new thing it's not the old thing anymore mm. and your second question was the second question is um, do you feel like combining older stuff and making it what you say is new now uh, do you think it's us progressing like in the like let's say in the 60s and 50s right they had mostly jazz blues and stuff right Mm -hmm. then became more of like pop right with you know like elvis and that type of stuff right and then like in the 80s and 90s well elvis was 50s and 60s right i think so but i think he gained most of his tractions in like the eight late 60s early 70s i think maybe i don't know i'm not an elvis aficionado (laughs) me neither (laughs) so but like in the in the 80s and 90s that's where like I don't I don't know if like rock music was well, in, was I think 70s is when rock maybe not rock as we know it today but mm-hmm. rock the genre started taking off along with pop music mm-hmm. and then 80s was maybe hair rock hair metal mm-hmm. and metal started taking off and then 90s I think was grunge mm-hmm. punk mm-hmm. And all that stuff. Yeah, but like, like, 
they were progressing, right? Because mm-hmm. in the seventies, you didn't have grunge and stuff like that, right? They made that, right? And it's not them combining different genres. Okay, I see what you're saying. I have, I think, I have an interesting theory on that. Mm-hmm. Not maybe not theory, ideology or mm-hmm. whatever. So like, here sitting now, right? I would just say off the top of my head no we're not progressing Mm -hmm. because to me almost everything sounds the same Mm -hmm. right but then you think back to back then we only know the good stuff from the 90s 80s 70s 60s and stuff that's very true I'm pretty sure back then everything sounded the same Mm -hmm. you know except for you know the few stars that you know really stood out really stood out Mm -hmm. and now we're because we're here and we're living it Mm -hmm everything sounds the same Mm -hmm. but 20 years from now we're only going to remember the good stuff that came out or you know maybe the funny stuff or Mm -hmm. something because you know like I'll never forget like Gangnam Style yeah you know yeah I'll never forget uh what is the name I can't even remember the name of the song Little Nas's X his big hit oh uh Old Town Road Old Town Road yeah like I'll never forget that song yeah you know they're not necessarily good songs Mm -hmm. but there's part of that like they're, they're, they're mm, I don't want to say they're like forever stuck in the culture but I mean like they left a big impact yeah when they hit they hit hard mm-hmm. and then like you look back to like 90s and 80s mm-hmm. you know you can think of like Metallica Nirvana mm-hmm. uh, uh, who, who's like big like is still known today because those are like the main two that I can think of. Mm-hmm. I mean, I mean Michael Jackson because he did make, yeah, music back then. W- would you say like System of a Down? Would you s- honestly? I feel like System of a Down isn't like as big as like Metallica and Nirvana. No, absolutely not. Would you? They're, they're big, but they're not that big. Because mm-hmm. like, you could go to somebody and it's like, hey, do you know the song "Smells Like Teen Spirit"? They may not know Nirvana, mm-hmm. but I guarantee you they know the song. Yeah. And now, then, they may not know any of Metallica's songs, but I guarantee you they know the band. Mm-hmm. You know? Yeah, yeah, Like, everyone knows Sandman. Everyone knows Master of Puppets. Mm-hmm. You know? Like you said, Teen Spirit. Everyone knows Lithium. Yeah, Lithium. Right? Yeah. So, well, who else would be big? I mean, everyone knows Elvis. Everyone Even knows though Elvis. he's, you know, earlier on. Mm-hmm. Um, Aretha Franklin. Yeah, Aretha Franklin. Um, I mean, I don't know if Red Hot Chili Peppers made uh, like music in the eight nineties. Queen, C- Queen, Queen, Queen. Yeah, I honestly feel bad for getting that. <laughs> I mean, there's the Beatles, but they were also mm-hmm. earlier on. Mm-hmm. Um, you know what I would love as an album, mm-hmm. like three artists that I would love working together, making an entire album. Mm-hmm. Now this may sound crazy. They've already made one song, and only one song. Oh, really? Rihanna, Kanye, and what is his name? Oh, he's from the Beatles. I can't remember his name. Is it John Lennon? It's not John. No, John Lennon's dead, man. Oh. <laughs> Here, uh, it's, the, it's the one song, the four or five second song. The four or five second song? Yeah. Uh, I don't know. Here, let's see. It's right here. Is it the singer? Paul McCartney. Paul McCartney, yeah. So it's Rihanna, Kanye West, and Paul McCartney. I love that song so much. Do you know the name of the song? It's four or five seconds. Oh, it's four or five seconds. Yeah. 
Oh, it's the one where it's like four, five seconds. And yeah. Okay. Yeah. I don't know. That song doesn't hit. It doesn't hit. Mm-hmm. It hits for me. I don't know. I feel like it's too slow. For me, it's like the instrument instrumental in the back, right? It's very. I don't want to say laid back, but it's not. It's it's like smooth to mm-hmm. me, you know. And then you have very passionate singing from Rihanna at mm-hmm. parts. And then Kanye, he's not really known as a singer, mm-hmm. right? But he does like, I want to say sing, but he has like a melodic flow, mm-hmm. you know? And it it also sounds passionate mm-hmm. at points. And so because it's all like passion, even though it, they may not mean anything, mm-hmm. but it just sounds real passionate, mm-hmm. I really enjoy that song. Okay, okay, okay. I see, I see. Um, what do you call it? Speaking about Kanye, mm-hmm. have you heard his like gospel singing stuff? Oh no, I have not. I, I kind of refuse to listen to anything Kanye anymore. <laughs> oh, even though if they if they made an album, I'd listen to that. Oh, you would? Yeah, I would. Eesh. Let's just say it's um, it's an acquired taste. Well, isn't Kanye an acquired taste now? Like old Kanye, everybody could listen to. Mm-hmm. New Kanye, it's like there's only there's like he's part of like a niche group now. Like he's his own genre almost. <laughs> you know, I guess you could say yeah, but mm, I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. But so you think we are progressing? Because yes, even though it doesn't feel like it. Mm. Because, like I said, everything sounds the same up until 10, 20 years from now when you look back. Because, you know, like, you look back to, like, uh, when Linkin Park was big and everything. Mm. Everyone remembers Linkin Park. Mm -hmm. Everyone remembers that one song by Papa Roach. Yeah. All those other bands basically fell into obscurity. Yeah. Like, they never existed. That's true. Even though they were as big as Linkin Park at the time. Mm-hmm. And Linkin Park seems to be the only one to grab hold of the mm. culture, I guess. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Okay, so then, what do you feel about, like, genres coming and going? So, like, when the when disco was super popular, right, in the 80s, I'm pretty sure? 70s, was, I think. 70s. Right, when disco was super popular, you almost hear no one talking about disco even though it was like a brand new genre it was weird funky mm-hmm. e- literally everyone listened to some form of it well so like i think with disco mm-hmm. and i don't have any you know evidence to back this up i believe disco had slowly dissolved into hip-hop you think so and that's why disco is no longer around because hip-hop is disco mm-hmm. in, in in a way in a way, mm-hmm. you know, because disco had more of like actual singing and not just rhythmic rhyming words, mm-hmm. you know. But you look at like the beats they used and everything for a disco song, they're not maybe as closely related to what we see as rap now, but the old rap songs, they were really poppy and jumpy mm-hmm. and everything, and they did, they weren't uh, very lyrical, you know, they used simple rhyming words car, star, bar, far. You know, mm-hmm. and so that's why I think it slowly went away, mm. and it's only just now coming back into music because, of course, that would have bled into eighties pop music, and you can see that now in kind of like um, 
the weekends music mm-hmm. and stuff like that mm-hmm. that's interesting that you think that disco slowly transformed into hip hop in a way in a way I'm not saying it like just completely yeah, got yeah. engulfed by it yeah. but I feel like a lot of the nuances of disco slowly bled into hip hop and that turned hip hop into what we know as it is now mm, interesting interesting so you think that's the main reason yeah because why? once once a genre gets taken over by another one it falls into obscurity mm-hmm. you know like metal got taken over by new metal mm-hmm. you don't hear metal that often anymore mm-hmm. okay now here's here's a question I'll ask you do you think that's good for music do you think it's good for the new stuff to en- engulf and change the old stuff but we also forget about it like, do you think that we should still remember the old stuff? Here's the thing. We never actually forget about it, right? Because if you really think about it, like, I'm only slightly older than you, right? And mm-hmm. we pretty much know the exact same music, mm-hmm. except maybe you know more newer stuff and I know a little bit older stuff. Mm-hmm. But you talk to, like, you know, your parents, your grandparents, and all that kind of stuff. The music's never forgotten. It's always there. It's just we as a society haven't taken time to look back on it because mm-hmm. we're constantly trying to move forward finding that new thing when that new thing could be something from the 60s mm-hmm. that we implemented into music now. Mm-hmm. But do you, do you think that's okay for us to not look into the past? No, I don't think it's music? a good thing. You should always look back into history no matter what it is. Mm-hmm. You know, art war religion whatever mm-hmm. you should always look back because there's always something to learn from back then mm-hmm. I agree and the, the craziest part I think that not all art forms evolve right because mm-hmm. I mean like if you look at music and you look at like painting drawing right those obviously evolve throughout the years but if you look at something like writing Mm-hmm. Right, you don't really see writing evolve, like you don't really see like new forms of writing, right? You do, but it's not really noticeable because usually what happens is the language itself changes, mm. therefore making the old writing not usable anymore. Mm-hmm. You know, because like with slang, mm-hmm. you know, a lot of new slang terms crop up seems like every two years now mm-hmm. you know and so as the language changes you have to change how uh, sentence structure is formed and then how punctuation is used and everything mm-hmm. and so it does change but it takes a language so long to change that you don't really see it because like if you look back at old English mm-hmm. it's written completely differently than the way we talk now Yeah. so back then it was different it's just not doesn't seem like it's changing now because only thing really in our language that changes is the slang mm-hmm. and it takes decades hundreds of years mm-hmm. for an actual full language to change that's that is very true that is very true because like even people that uh like talk um how i put it like broken english mm. right 
even they know how to punctuate their broken English. Yeah. Sometimes. I'm not going to say all the time. Mm -hmm. But they know how to punctuate their broken English. But they're not going to speak like how they write. Yeah. You know? Because mm -hmm. you have a lot of people, they can write even better than some Americans and they're not from here. Mm -hmm. But they don't speak it as well. Yeah. Mm, that's interesting. But, like... I mean, yeah, like, the language change and, like, the sentence structure changes and stuff, but, like, you don't see, like, a new art form of writing, right? Because you always just have poems, writing. I think you do, but it's mostly attributed to music. You think so? Well, because, like, I saw this one interview with uh, Rakim, mm. and he was talking about uh, he puts two lines on the paper, and he can only fit so many words in those two lines. And once it's filled up, you go down to the next line, put the two lines again, and it fills up again. Mm -hmm. And that's how he would write. Now, that's not a sentence structure that we would ever use, mm -hmm. you know. So he did change the way of writing his lyrics for music, mm. you know. But we don't see it, we hear it. Yeah. You know? Mm. That's very interesting. And then, like, um, Out, uh, Outcast, mm -hmm. Andre 2000, like with uh, Aquemini and everything. Mm -hmm. He doesn't hit on the beat every time. He misses it sometimes, or he'll go over it sometimes, mm -hmm. right? So it's little things like that. The writing is being changed, but it's due to the music, mm. and it's changing all these different mm. art forms of writing, but we never see it. Interesting. So, so you think that writing itself is changing, it's just that it's never put to the forefront it's well, always in the background. How many times have you seen an artist's lyric sheet? How many times? Never. I can think of one time, and it was an interview with Eminem, and he had a little box of all his old writings. Yeah. He didn't actually show it. Mm -hmm. You know, he wasn't like, oh, this is the lyric, and this is the lyric. But you saw all the little papers. Mm -hmm. Now, I don't know how Eminem writes his lyrics. He might write in, you know, a very no well-known poem structure mm -hmm. or he might have like this mathematical equation that he does to mm -hmm. you know it, it's just we never see it mm -hmm. everything we see is essays poems uh books books magazines magazines newspapers and mm -hmm. stuff and those have like set structures that if you don't follow chances are nobody's gonna read it mm -hmm. and i feel like lyrics with music is the only way the art form of writing changes. Mm. So, so you always think that the newer versions of writing are always in the background. They're always hidden over something or another form of art. Yeah, because when you think about it, the only time you really write mm -hmm. is for school. Mm -hmm. If it's your job mm -hmm. um, or in your free time, mm -hmm. you know, being creative. Yeah. And so the first two school they have a set structure they want you to follow mm -hmm. they don't want you to be creative mm -hmm. at a job they definitely have a set structure and don't want you to be creative yeah in the time where it's your free time and you want to be creative you want to emulate what you see mm -hmm. so you know you read the book like 1984 mm -hmm. or you read a poem you know uh what, what is a poem uh I can't think of one. Yeah. But you know, you want to replicate that poem because you like it so much. Mm -hmm. So usually it changes in the background. And that's why we never see it. Because mm -hmm. it's just, it's constantly changing. Because who knows, there could be a kid right now writing a song in a sentence structure that wouldn't make sense if you just 
read it but in music it makes perfect sense mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. especially with like Eminem again you know he has a lot of internal rhymes some words have internal rhymes within them mm-hmm. and then he'll rhyme the first word of each line and the last word or he'll just be all over the place mm-hmm. yeah but I definitely think when it comes to music it's a lot more different in what way because I mean like when you're normally like just writing right there no matter how creative you get right you have to follow a sentence structure of some sort right like no matter how creative you get you have to have a proper noun or a noun an action or a verb and then a subject right of some sort right you have for for each sentence are we talking bar or sentence I'm, I'm saying sentence okay right you have to follow like a, a sentence structure no matter how creative you get you still have to follow a sentence structure right like there's so much you can do to be creative mm-hmm. right outside of music right because outside of music like you're saying right they could write like no other person on this planet right mm-hmm. And it makes sense in the music, but in the writing it doesn't make sense because they're not following at least a sentence structure. Like, I feel like but when it comes to, like, physical writing, like books, magazines, right? Yeah, they have a set structure, right? But their deep root is them having to follow a sentence structure. Okay, yeah, I see what you're saying. So you think the most creativity that you have in writing a book or magazine is, like... The subjectivity of what you're writing about? Mm-mm. I think it's limited because because you are bound by that sentence sentence structure. Mm-hmm. But like in music, you're you're not as limited, right? Because you can you can have a run on sentence for you know like seven eight bars, right? And it makes sense in music, but if you are reading like a magazine, a book, or something, right? right? And they have a run-on sentence that's almost a paragraph long. Okay, you're going to be like, come on, dude. Yeah, you're going to be like, give me a comma or a period (laughs) or something. Yeah, it's just like, how many times have I read the word and or but? Yeah, okay, I see what you're saying. I feel like when physical writing, they're so limited because they have to follow a certain sentence structure, right? It's like, and, and, and I feel like that has it has a chance to evolve but i don't think it's going to evolve anytime soon Mm -hmm. because i feel like no one is i don't want to say no one's allowed to step out of that because you know most of the time when someone tries something new it feels like nowadays everyone just hates it Mm -hmm. right they like hate hate on it right cancel culture (laughs) <laughs> right you know it's just like ew it's something new get rid of it right well I think with writing if you were to try something new like uh, switching up the sentence structure or anything mm-hmm. it's not that people would necessarily hate it it's that they wouldn't understand what you're trying to say mm. because we're so ingrained in the way things are written through mm. you know school and all the reading we've done since you know you're mm-hmm. four or five years old mm-hmm. it's just the way you've been taught so anything different 
is like my brain can't comprehend it it's like when you try and learn another language where you know maybe the verb is switched around mm-hmm. or it you your verb is at the beginning of the sentence instead mm-hmm. of the middle or whatever mm-hmm. that's why it's so hard to comprehend other languages because you're so ingrained in you know having this perfect sentence structure mm-hmm. and then you try and flip it on its head in another language and you're like I don't get it mm. so uh, I'm gonna ask you a question so do you think that if we started to evolve physical writing as fast as we did music do you think they would have to teach that in the classroom right oh yeah absolutely yeah because I mean music changes it feels like every day now mm-hmm. you know because of how accessible everything is to everybody mm-hmm. which is a good thing right because mm-hmm. we get these great musical pieces and everything mm-hmm. but if you did that with writing like if everyone was writing and then you constantly changing the way things write mm-hmm. one I don't know if there would be a set structure anymore mm-hmm. you know because everyone's gonna write differently mm-hmm. so could you teach it in the class I don't think so I don't I don't think so either but should they at least try because, I mean, they have musical theory, mm-hmm. you know, and trying to understand music and everything. But So they would have to have, I guess, written theory? I mean, isn't there already, like, a written theory? Or no? I, I'm not an English major. I don't know. <laughs> I'm not one either. <laughs> but, I mean, like, yeah. I, I definitely feel like people who write are just extremely limited in their capabilities. Because there is just a deep root structure that they have to follow no matter what i feel like if if i feel i feel writers don't feel that way though really you don't think so no because the creativity isn't necessarily the sentence structure it's the subject that you're writing on Mm -hmm. you know you have like the only reason you worry about sentence structure is that way people can understand you Mm mm-hmm so that way you can get you know your point across your belief across or uh give information out mm-hmm. right but somebody who writes about something that they're really passionate about that's all they're worried about in the sense of structure so you understand why they're so excited about this topic mm-hmm. you know mm-hmm. you read any book that somebody is truly and actually passionate about you can feel it Mm-hmm. in their writing mm-hmm. and they're using the same sentence structure that everyone uses mm-hmm. you know mm-hmm. but they have like you know tone and voice in mm-hmm. their writing mm-hmm. and you can like the last book I just read uh, what is that the new human rights movement mm-hmm. right it, that's a perfect example because I've heard him talk in interviews and everything and the way he talks is the way the book is written really it like I can hear his voice and in, like, like and like his expressions and like yeah like uh, like you can not feel his feeling but you can like hear when he gets louder or like he'll emphasize something yeah 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 you can you can definitely not hear it but you can feel it through the words mm-hmm. that he's using so the creativity is the words you use in the subject matter mm-hmm. of the topic so so do you think that if writing didn't have a sentence structure, people would be more, be able to be more creative on a subject. 
No, because no one would understand you. If there was no structure to writing, no one would understand anybody. Mm-hmm. It's like talking. Mm-hmm. You know? Mm-hmm. Like, I can't even give you a good example. Yeah. You know? Because, like, I'm so stuck in this structure form of speaking and writing that if I try to flip it on its head, I'm going to confuse myself. Mm-hmm. Like, I feel like there was definitely... Uh, I'll bring up a good example. Okay. Right? Or at least I want to say it is a good example. It might not be a good example. Right, but it's like, um, like when Pig Latin was mm-hmm. first introduced, right? First made up, right? It's English, right? But isn't it like every first letter is put to the back of the word? No, I think. Or is it the last letter that's Pig's put? Pig Latin is, you take the first letter of the first word mm-hmm. and you place it, replace it with the first letter of the second word. And you flip them. Hmm. I thought I thought it was always where it's like it's the last letter that goes in. The yeah, front. Go, go ahead and look it up. Yeah, because I'm definitely not sure about that. Yeah, but like, like they made up Pig Latin, right? That's something new. I mean, but you're not changing sentence structure. It's more of like a code. Yeah, you know, or because I feel like you use Pig's Latin now to make fun of people. Hmm. Mm. I don't know. I don't know. I feel they like... actually use uh, Pig's Latin in an uh, epic rap battle mm. with um, Che Guevara and who's the other guy? He's from that uh, book. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, remember, remember the 5th of November, whatever that is. You know which one I'm talking about? Guy Fox. That's his name. Okay. And he says... You're an umpche, or an impche, something like that. Mm. But he's actually calling a chumpche, something like that. I can't remember the actual lyric. Mm. Okay, so apparently pig Latin is where you take the first letter of a word, Mm -hmm. you bring it to the back, Mm -hmm. and apparently you add A-Y. So like hello. That's what it is, because he says ump che. Mm-hmm. You're an ump che, so it's chump a. Yeah. That's what it is. Okay. So so apparently like hello in pig Latin it's loa, and then like the word duck, right? In pig Latin is uck day. Uck day. Uck day. Okay. Yeah. So that's that's weird. But see, you're not changing the structure of the sentence. You're just changing the word. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I guess. which is what slang is. Mm-hmm. You know, like you told me yesterday, uh, it's giving, mm-hmm. right? Yeah, it's giving. That, that's completely new to me. <laughs> you know, but the way you explain it to me makes perfect sense. It's com- it's completely changing the word, mm-hmm. but it still has its old meaning and now its new meaning. Mm-hmm. And then the same thing, like when I was in middle school. You know, it used to be, oh, that's beast, or however people used to say it. Yeah, it's it's so savage. Or yeah. Something like that. All that kind of stuff. Yeah. Hmm. Okay, okay. Okay. I'm starting to, you know, starting to piece together the puzzle pieces. Because, I mean, like, so, like, you've written, right? Mm-hmm. And you do creative writing and all that kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. You feel like if you change the sentence structure, right... Like, if you wrote two poems, let's say, mm. one in good sentence structure, or at least in a 
poetic structure that's known and another one that's just completely creative off the wall doesn't make any sense mm-hmm. you think people could understand the two they'd understand the first one more than likely but the second one would they be like I have no idea what you're trying to even get across here I definitely think they could but it has to go about the way I write it right mm-hmm. because if I if I write it in a certain way that doesn't have a sentence structure but is creative enough right I feel like it is still possible for people to understand right because I feel like if you don't have a sentence structure you go based on more of trying to understand what the person is feeling so you're saying it's like finding that fine line between structure and creativity yeah and you're saying that fine line hasn't been crossed or at least stumbled upon in a very long time yeah I want to say right because I feel like uh, if we go back to old English mm-hmm. right old English right obviously had a sentence structure but it's completely different from modern English right right so I feel like but but like if you still read old English right you might not understand the language but you could definitely interpret what they're trying to come across right because we've all read Beowulf mm-hmm. in high school right you're reading that and most of the time you're just like what are they saying <laughs> right? Right, right because you don't know the language but I feel like in certain parts right where like Beowulf is fighting a monster right and they're like oh ye old Beowulf <laughs> grabs grabbeth the yeah. swordeth yeah or whatever grabbeth the swordeth and the monster plungeth it into his throat <laughs> yeah or gullet or something like that yeah like like in some certain instances you can still understand what they're saying because even though they have a different sentence structure right and it's more I want to. I want to say old English is more loose, right? Mm-hmm. It's like it's not bound by, like, where you always have to have like certain things in a sentence. It's like a, almost like a, rubber. You know, mm-hmm. like a rubber band. You can move it around. Yeah. Where our structure is more like a pencil. Yeah. You try and bend it, and it's gonna just break. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I feel like. I feel I feel like that's a good example, right? Where like old English, right? Like they had off the wall more creative sentence structure, mm-hmm. but you could still understand what they're saying. But the main reason why we don't understand what is written and what they're trying to convey is because we just don't know the language, right? Like, so does that mean you're gonna create the new sentence structure that we're all gonna follow and everything? I mean. I, I definitely think it's possible. So you when you write, you feel limited yes. because you have to follow the structure. Yes. I, f- oh. I feel limited in some forms, right? Because my creative writing, right, unless I'm making like a poem, it's not a subject. I'm more of creating things like a place or an environment, right? Mm-hmm. And so I feel extremely limited in the sentence structure, right? Because I have to convey something in the sentence structure. Well, now, would you say it's the sentence structure itself? Or is it because you're not as... I don't know how to put it. Not good. As, good with words is the best way I could put I, it. Like, I definitely, like you don't have a, gr- a 
large lexicon mm. to you know you can just grab a word and throw it in the mm. sentence I definitely think it's a mix of both mm -hmm. right? so what part of the sentence structure is like a wall to you I feel like in the sentence structure right there always has to be something happening mm -hmm. right but when you're making something there's almost never going to be something happening right mm -hmm. like if I were to write your house right I would say there's four walls a roof and this right but there's nothing happening right mm -hmm. you're just describing what the house is what it's made out of this and that so would you consider that something happening when you're describing like a building would you would you consider that like oh the houses the roof tiles are a wooden coloration that are made out of stone and the walls are protruding with sharp edges and stuff would you consider some that something happening in the sentence or would you consider it well not? it's it's just a description from somebody yeah right so the thing that is happening is they're describing so 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 you think when you're making like an inanimate object like a building you don't think there has to be something happening well chances are like if you're writing a book mm. it's better to have something happening while you're describing something because mm -hmm. if you just describe it everyone's going to be like okay i get it it looks like this let's get back to the story mm -hmm. you know it's nice to know what the things look like that it, the story is happening in but if the story isn't happening while you're describing the thing it's like why do i care about this i care about the story yeah yeah so so that's that's why i feel limited right because when i'm trying to create right i'll describe the entire building right but in my mind, I feel like, like, you know, I'm describing your building once again, right? I feel like no one cares if I just describe your building. Like, if I was just like, okay, at 9 p.m., there's a guy who tries to break open your white wooden front door that has, like, cracks and creaks and edges that form a column mm -hmm. in the middle of the door, right? Like, you feel like there has to be something happening while you're describing. And I feel like that's just very limiting when you're just trying to create something. Well, when you create, right? Mm -hmm. Like, if you're trying to create a building using words. Yeah. That's all you're trying to do. There is no story mm -hmm. yet. Mm -hmm. Because in order to have a story, you have to have the setting. Mm -hmm. And then once you have the setting and the story then you combine the two and then create mm. this whole new you know beautiful writing mm. set in the same structure that everybody else uses mm -hmm. so do you think that when you're just describing a setting do you think that you shouldn't look as if something should be happening what do you mean like like if I was describing a setting, let's say, in the woods, mm -hmm. right? And I just described the grass is green, 
there's tall trees, there's a river, mm-hmm. right? Do you think in the setting there has to be just a little, little mix of story in there where it's like, instead of me just saying the, ga- the grass is green, trees are tall, there's a river in the middle, you say the grass is green and it's swaying, mm-hmm. the trees are tall, big, and there's things living in it. Well, see, that's what I was about to say. There doesn't necessarily have to be story mm. happening as long as the description is well thought out. You know, if you just said, yeah, there's, you know, some green grass, the there's some trees, mm-hmm. there's a flowing river. Yeah, you get the image, but no one cares about your image. Yeah. You know, now if it's like, the wind is blowing through the trees creating a whistling sound and you can hear just above the whistling sound the rippling of the water that the river uh, creates while flowing down mm. you know it creates more of an atmosphere because not only are you getting a visual you're getting sound as well mm. you know so you don't necessarily need story for that now i would say it definitely helps if you have story in that you know, as he's riding through the forest, mm-hmm. you hear the whistling wind and the flowing river as it ripples across the rocks or it crashes through the rocks, you mm-hmm. know, that creates a whole different atmosphere too. Mm-hmm. It's all about the word choice. I don't think it's the sentence structure. You don't I, think so. I really don't. Mm. Because it's all about the words you use mm-hmm. to convey whatever sound, feeling, or whatever you're trying to portray. Mm-hmm. You know? It's the same thing with like in movies, I know it's visual art, but like when it's raining, usually it's a sad scene that's happening. Yeah. You know, and you can tell that because it's raining or it's dark and moody and mm-hmm. everything like that. Same thing with writing. You know, he's riding through the forest, winds blowing, all that kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. You get a sense of action, mm-hmm. you know, and everything. Now, depending on the action, is depending on how he's riding. Is mm-hmm. he, you know, on a horse trotting through the forest? Mm-hmm. Or is he uh, on a motorcycle riding through the forest? Mm-hmm. You know, two different things, mm-hmm. you know? So so you definitely think when you're just creating the setting, you don't need any story or descriptive words surrounding... You, you, you think that you make a setting, <laughs> right? You Like, when you make the setting, it can be as plain as possible. But when you are telling that setting you need to add story elements to it because then nobody will care about your setting yeah when you're creative writing you know you can just be like okay i want to make a forest now what kind of forest is it going to be a place where it snows a lot Mm -hmm. it's going to be a rainforest you know because those are two different things as well Mm -hmm. but all you need to know as the creative writer that okay i don't want a rainforest i want a snowy mountain forest mm-hmm. kind of deal okay snowy mountain forest is there a river yeah sure let's say there's a river mm-hmm. right you just you need to know the basics mm-hmm. that's it mm-hmm. but when you tell your story everyone else because you already know what the place looks like mm-hmm. you know what it sounds like smells like and everything mm-hmm. you need to convey that to everybody else in a very intriguing way mm-hmm. you know because you want to keep their attention mm-hmm. and not lose them because the second you start losing them they don't want to hear your story anymore mm-hmm. like if you just said snowy mountain forest and there's a river that goes through it mm-hmm. you're like the readers like why do i care about your setting mm-hmm. you know 
it's like uh, Star Wars. I know it's visual again, but isn't it that Luke Skywalker lives on a desert planet where his family collects water and the planet has three suns? Mm-hmm. That's interesting, mm-hmm. you know? And it that, that was plain, but it's interesting. Mm-hmm. So you can make plain interesting, but you just have to find the right words to use, mm-hmm. you know? Because, like, Desert Sun family collects rainwater, and there's three suns. Mm-hmm. I think that's what it is, at least. I'm not a Star Wars guy, so... <laughs> mm-hmm. But that's interesting, you know? And Snowy Mountain Forest with River. Which one would you rather read about? Definitely the planet. You know? But so do you think you can you can be plain with your description? It just has to be something that people aren't really familiarized with. Because I'm pretty sure everyone has no, seen a forest. It doesn't have to be like that. Like it, Sure, it's awesome and everything, because we don't live on a desert planet with three suns, mm-hmm. right? We live on Earth. But if you can tap into somebody's, like, subconscious mind with words, with, like, a smell, mm-hmm. you know, and they're like, oh, I haven't smelled that in forever. Because you know when you're outside and you catch a whiff of something in the wind and it takes you back to, like, ten years ago and you're like, mm-hmm. whoa, where did that come from? How did yeah. I get a candle of that? Mm-hmm. It's like that, but you're doing it with words. Mm. And it can be plain as day because everyone has heard the wind whistle. Mm-hmm. Everyone's heard that. Mm-hmm. Everyone has heard running water, mm-hmm. but it depends how that water's running, mm-hmm. whether it intrigues them or not. Mm-hmm. You know, because if like the Colorado River, how people do the rapids and everything, that water crashes against the rocks, mm-hmm. and people know what that's like. Mm-hmm. Or is it just a slow moving river? And I mean, very slow. You can't even hear the water move. Mm-hmm. It, it it makes a big difference on how you describe everything. That's, that's why I don't think it's the structure. Mm-hmm. It's the word choice. Because mm. maybe you're using a lot of the same word choice for things, but that's because you're just using plain stuff for yourself. Mm. But then when it comes to the actual story, you're going to spice it up for the story. So, so do you think for me to not feel as limited? Right, because when... Honestly, the main reason why I have a hard time writing is because I feel so limited. I feel like everything has to be new, fresh. Everything has to do something. There has to be something, right? That's you as a human, right? Because the the problem with humans is we want inspiration. And then once we get that inspiration, we can create, mm-hmm. write, paint, whatever. Mm-hmm. We can do all the creative stuff when we have that inspiration, but the second that inspiration goes away, you've got nothing left in the tank. Mm-hmm. You can stare at that blank document all day long, and nothing's gonna happen. <laughs> yep. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And that's you can't rely on inspiration. If you write plain stuff all the time, at least it's getting done. You can always go back and revise it, mm-hmm. especially if you hate what you wrote. You can always change it. Mm-hmm. But as long as you keep writing, you'll constantly have stuff. Mm-hmm. You know, to, and like, I know you don't like reading, mm-hmm. but I highly suggest you start reading because you'll learn new words that way. Like, if I come across a new word I don't know, I look it up. Mm-hmm. I'll Google it, you mm-hmm. know? Me too. Because I want to understand what I'm reading, you know? Mm-hmm. And I think that'll help you a lot. 
the more words you learn and the more descriptive you can get, the better off you'll be with your creative writing. Because you'll have all these new words and all that plain stuff that you wrote, you can change it all and it'll seem fresh and new. And you really didn't change anything. Mm -hmm. You just changed the way that it was written. So, so do you think that it's definitely better when you're writing to just have like a, a tab of like a thesaurus? Well, no, because I feel like you should use words that you actually know. Mm. You know, because if you're just like, uh, what is a different word for yeah. this word? Yeah, just like synonym for cool, right? Yeah. And then it just shows a whole bunch of... Yeah, like, it shows like 45 words and you're like, oh, well, that one's not different enough. Yeah. Oh, that one's different enough. I'm going to put that one in. Mm -hmm. And then you come back to the document and you're like... What is, what is I, that? I don't know what that word is. Mm -hmm. And then you have to Google it again. And then maybe you get it, and then it sticks in your head that time. Mm -hmm. But I feel like you should really try and use words that you actually know mm -hmm. and can use in conversation. Mm -hmm. You know, so that way you actually know what you wrote down. Mm -hmm. Yeah, no, I, I, I definitely... I can definitely see your perspective. I can mm -hmm. definitely see your perspective, right? Because... Um, if you make a plain description that uses pretty much every single word that you've already used, you feel it's repetitive. It is repetitive, nothing new. Yeah. But if you use a thesaurus, right? Or well, your own thesaurus, right? Because yeah, you use all the words in your head. Yeah, and you you know you change cool for fantastical and large for enormous right mm -hmm. it doesn't feel the same yeah it gives a whole like when you think large i think of like a fat cat mm -hmm. you know mm -hmm. but when you say enormous i think of like a giant mm -hmm. you know mm -hmm. yeah something that's really really tall yeah. and big and it, it, it can like you could say he the the group traveled over the large mountain. Mm -hmm. You're like, oh, so it was probably like a, just a, a hill that they call a mountain. Mm -hmm. But you say the enormous mountain. You're thinking Mount Everest. And then you tack on more words to that. Mm -hmm. You know, you could say enormous cliffside mountain. Mm -hmm. So they have to walk this cliffside the entire time. Mm -hmm. And then you could describe how big the cliffside is. You know, you can go in all sorts of depth and everything. Mm -hmm. But then that's also dangerous territory, I believe. Really? Because you can be too descriptive and lose your reader. Okay, explain, explain. Well, because, like, so, like, let's say you're trying to describe the room to somebody. Mm -hmm. Like, when I wrote my book, I try not to be too descriptive, right? Because you, some people can't figure that kind of stuff in their head. So if I say, like, uh, you walked into the room, there's a table in the middle, there's a bookcase on the right wall, and in the left corner closest to you, there's a desk, mm -hmm. right, and all that. Some people, they, they, they get lost in everything, especially if you break the description and he, you, you have your character do some action, right, and then you go back to describing because maybe there's he's coming closer to stuff in the room. Mm -hmm. Oh, he's closer to the refrigerator now. And you're like, wait, hold on, so there's a desk, table, bookcase refrigerator you, this you, you, you just think completely it's completely lose them yeah you just think it's too much to keep track of yeah but if you describe like oh he walks into the room there's a table in the middle of the room bookshelf to the right you don't say the desk well you could just say like he walks into his office 
Mm. What do you think of when you think of an office? You think of a desk. You may think of a bookcase. Mm -hmm. There might be a table or something. And if it's important to the story, you can describe it. Mm. You know, if like he's interacting with it. Mm -hmm. So if he walks into the living room, yeah. you know, you automatically think TV, couch, maybe a couple chairs, coffee table, mm -hmm. all that. You don't have to say it. Mm -hmm. People know it's there. Mm -hmm. And even if it isn't there in your head, it could be in theirs. It's up for them to interpret what that living room looks mm -hmm. like. But then he interacts with the couch. You mm -hmm. know, he yeah. sits down on the fluffy couch mm -hmm. and he moves the blanket mm -hmm. so that way he doesn't sit on it. You know, all little things like that. Mm -hmm. So, so you're saying like when it comes to like certain things, it's better to be plain. But then, as the more time, I would say the reader is in that space then you start to describe more and more as you as you're creating whatever you're creating a book a story whatever you can be as plain as possible mm -hmm. i would recommend not doing that so that way it doesn't feel repetitive but if it works for you be as plain as possible mm -hmm. when you go and revise and edit and all that stuff spice everything up mm -hmm. you know where it's needed mm -hmm. you know if it if it, it really is just plain wherever they're at it's plain you, you've told the reader it's basically just a normal cabin mm -hmm. and everyone knows what a normal cabin looks like right mm. you don't have to describe it so they know they're just in a normal cabin I mean you can give it a little bit of spice so that way they're just not like oh wow they just went to a cabin mm. but it's, it's, it's all the little things you don't want to go in it, it's like a fine line again right mm -hmm. So you want to reach that fine line of giving them just enough description where it's interesting, they know where they're at. But you don't want to get too descriptive where it's like, I don't know where everything is in this room. Mm -hmm. I'm so confused about everything. Mm -hmm. You know, you want to keep the reader right on that fine line. Mm -hmm. they, know, they know everything they need to know in that moment in time. So do you agree with the whole thing of like, the more time a, re a reader spends in kind of like this environment, the more descriptive you should be. Because like, like let's say, right, a person walks into an office, right? You're immediately put in the environment of an office. There's a desk, table, bookcase, chair, right? Computer. Computer. Likely. Yeah, right? They're automatically put in that environment. But as you said, the more he interacts with stuff, do you feel like you have to be more descriptive? Like, you can't just be like, yeah. he, he walks up to the desk, prints out a piece of paper. So, like, in the in, in the book I wrote, I don't remember the exact way it looked, but if I remember right, when you open the front door to his new apartment, mm -hmm. right, to the left, I think, is the kitchen, mm -hmm. and it's, uh, it's an open floor plan, mm -hmm. right? So there's an island... There's a bar that follows the wall and everything. Mm -hmm. And to his right is where, like, the living room is. But I only describe the kitchen for the most part because that's where they mostly interact is in the kitchen. Mm -hmm. But later on in the book, like, way later on, he's in the living room. So now I have to describe where the couch is, TV, mm -hmm. all that kind of stuff. Mm -hmm. I see. So, so you definitely agree with the whole when you're in an environment the more you're in that environment the more you should describe a bit as long as it's pertinent to the story like mm -hmm. my character was physically sitting on the couch mm -hmm. so now i need the reader to know he's 
sitting on a couch. He's just not standing in the living room. Mm-hmm. You know, he's not pacing the room. Mm-hmm. He is sitting on the couch. Mm-hmm. You know, he's in the kitchen making coffee. Mm-hmm. You don't have to explain how he's making the coffee unless it's like, you know, a completely different way that nobody really knows about. Mm-hmm. But he's just making coffee. You know, he poured the coffee grinds in the thing. They don't even know that. Mm-hmm. They know how to make coffee. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So, okay, I have a question for you now. Okay. Okay, so if if you think, right, that writing can be plain in the beginning and then develop as the more and more time the reader is in the mental environment of what they're reading, do you think it's the same in movies? Do you think that when you're first introduced to a new environment in a movie, do you think that it should be more plain than have more things? Like, for example, if you're watching a movie, right? And you and the movie shows someone walking into a room, do you think it's better for it to start out as like clean and tidy, but throughout the movie the room gets more untidy and shows more of their personality in the room or do you think it should just show their personality or convey something right away well with anything writing a movie it should convey whatever you need it to convey Mm -hmm. so if we have a character who is uh depressed Mm -hmm. right that's the first thing we know about them chances are their room is dirty Mm -hmm. they have a hard time keeping up with things Mm -hmm. They may not be good with money. Mm-hmm. And that's all things you can show. You know, you don't have to tell the reader. You can show, or in a movie, you can just show it. You know, mm-hmm. like they walk into the room and the laundry basket is completely full. It's overflowing. Mm-hmm. You know, their bed is not made up. Mm-hmm. There's trash all over the desk. Mm-hmm. The carpet doesn't look like it's been vacuumed in months. Mm-hmm. You know, and then you can like show little things like uh, maybe they're not good with money. So, you know, they start out their morning and they go to grab some coffee right before work or something like that, right? And the card gets declined. You're showing wall telling because, you know, you probably will just see a scene of it being declined. Mm-hmm. So it's little ways of showing things. Mm-hmm. But same thing, book, movie, doesn't matter. They need to know what they need to know. Mm-hmm. They don't even know anymore. Like, do you really need to know your the character's favorite flavor of ice cream? Mm-hmm. Not really, unless it's pertinent to the story. Mm-hmm. You know, you don't even know that. You may know that about your character, mm-hmm. and that's good. You know that because maybe you'll hit it big, and everyone wants to know what the character's flavor, favorite ice cream is. Mm-hmm. Then it's pertinent. Yeah. But if it's not part of the story, no one needs to know it. Mm-hmm. at all mm-hmm. so so descriptions on writing and visual just determine on based if it's pertinent to the story or not yeah cause like if you start adding things that aren't pertinent to the story mm-hmm. and don't continue the story people lose interest mm-hmm. you know it's like I can't remember what the show was but it was just like character after character after character kept getting introduced mm-hmm why do I care about this fifth character? Mm-hmm. You know? I'm supposed to care about the first one I saw. Right? And maybe the second or third. Yeah. But now I'm at this fifth one. 
I don't care anymore. Mm-hmm. And I don't care about any of the characters because you've thrown so much at me. Or even if it's one character and you just throw so much of that character that I don't need to know about, mm-hmm. why do I need to know? Mm-hmm. You know? Mm-hmm. Like, Breaking Bad, right, does this really well, I think. There's the scene where it's Walt's birthday and with the bacon, you know, I think it says it's his 44th birthday or something like that. Mm-hmm. And then a year passes mm-hmm. and they do it again I, I, if I remember right and it's 45 this time that's very pertinent to the story because it shows character mm-hmm. you know they all remember his birthday now if they didn't remember his birthday he just looks maybe that's what it was maybe he looks down and he does it I think he does it himself mm. I think that's what it is like the first time they show it the his wife uh Sky, Skyler, something like that, mm-hmm. broke the bacon up yeah. for his birthday. But then his next birthday, no one's there and he does it himself. Mm. I think that's what the scene is. Mm. And so no one's there mm-hmm. and it shows a lot. Like he still cares about his bacon being broken up. Mm. It's not big in the grand scheme of life and everything. Yeah. But to him, it's very important mm-hmm. that that part of his life is still there mm-hmm. and it's not. Mm. But like, see, that's something small that usually you wouldn't even think about. Mm-hmm. But it says a lot. Mm-hmm. You you need to know Walt cares about his bacon being broken <laughs> up on his birthday. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But you didn't know Walt's favorite ice cream flavor. Yeah, you don't. Mm-hmm. So I see, I see, I see. But how how does something that small tie into the story? Like how? Like, see, I'd have to go back and watch Breaking Bad because I can't remember every little yeah. detail. Mm-hmm. If I remember right, Skyler and his son are no longer living with him, mm. right? But he's doing all that drug stuff for his family, mm. and they're not there anymore. Mm-hmm. So, you know, the show starts off, it's his birthday and everything, and the broken bacon and all that kind of stuff, and he's like, this is tradition, we do this mm. for each family member, you know? And then his next birthday rolls around, no one's around. Not his wife, not his son, I don't know if they had the daughter by then, not his brother-in-law, sister-in-law, none of them mm-hmm. are there. It's just Walt mm-hmm. and his bacon. Mm-hmm. But that that bacon being broken reminds him of his family who is no longer around Mm -hmm. you know what i mean Mm -hmm. i know it sounds stupid but it's very important Mm -hmm. to the character of walter white yeah because it shows that he cares he truly does care but Mm -hmm. he's by doing the drug stuff and then knowing about it and everything or at least his wife knowing about it Mm -hmm. it's like you know it's butting heads yeah he wants to do everything for his family but in doing so he's tearing his family apart Mm -hmm. now do you think a scene like that is created because of the story that they portray like like um like if it like let's say breaking bad hasn't come out yet you're the creator Mm -hmm. right and they're just like okay i want a person to do something to help their family but at the same time tear it apart mm-hmm. right they have that big kind of like umbrella right and then they have the, like the smaller stuff under the umbrella right do you think that when you have a big umbrella scope like that you need
have the smaller stuff like that not right away but as you're writing your story you might have like that aha moment Mm -hmm. where it's like this would be a perfect scene to show Mm -hmm. that Mm -hmm. uh, emotion and everything and so like you might just write Walter's first birthday in like the first season right Mm -hmm. and you're not even thinking of that but as you get closer and closer to it, you're starting to think, like, how do I show, like, his family's no longer around? Like, of course, they're not in the house anymore. But you want to show more. You want to show that Walt still cares mm-hmm. about it, right? Mm-hmm. He cooks himself breakfast. They, if, I, if I remember right, they used to cook breakfast together as a family, and then the son would come in. No one's there to cook with him anymore. Mm-hmm. It's just Walt. Eggs and bacon. And then he sits down, and the bacon's just sitting there. It's not broken up. It's not brought to him, already broken up and made. Mm-hmm. He has to do it because no one is there anymore. Mm-hmm. And it's that slow progression of little things that you can drop in to a story. And then you get to that moment, and then he just looks around, and there's no one. You don't have to say anything. You can see it when you're reading it. You can feel it, mm. you know? So so would you say, like like how you said throughout the story, the more it progresses, like you can drop little things. Do you think in the moment, like right, like before you see him with no family and he has to break his own bacon, do you think like the small things like that are kind of useless to drop? When you're first writing something, I would say you don't really need it. Mm. You know, it's when you, because like when you create characters, Mm -hmm. if you don't care about your characters, no one's going to care about your characters. You have to care about your characters Mm -hmm. to make other people care. I agree. Right? So as you're writing, you know, you're giving these characters personality and everything. Mm -hmm. You, You were literally creating a person, an alien, whatever, but you're creating it's everything. Mm-hmm. So, as you're creating it, you can drop these little things in. It doesn't have to be in your outline mm-hmm. all the times you're going to drop a little bit of personality. It should just naturally occur, you know? Mm-hmm. And I, I feel like that's the best way to do it. You have an outline, so you know how your story is going to go. Mm-hmm. And then you can have an aha moment or uh, what if I do this moment mm-hmm. and then you just write it and see if it works if it does awesome if it don't edit it <laughs> you know so so do you think that when it comes to the small things you need an outline no you don't need an outline for the small things have an outline for your story mm-hmm. and then once you come to a part and you're trying to think how do I uh, evoke emotion here or something like that Mm -hmm. it's up to you to come up with a scene to evoke that Mm -hmm. you know whether it's a movie or a book because you know with a book you're going to use words yeah it's all words but with a movie it can be the atmosphere around the characters Mm -hmm. it could be something really small you know maybe a character is just looking at something in their hand you know, you don't really see a background at all. Mm-hmm. The lighting, um, the weather, mm-hmm. the people around them, the people who aren't around them, all that kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. 
those are the little things that also matter Mm -hmm. you know does he have a big group of friends Mm -hmm. are they there anymore yes they're still there okay so they're all right or are they fighting Mm -hmm. you know it's so so you definitely think that the small things not necessarily needed but they enhance the experience of the reader or the person watching the movie like, like I said, it's a fine line. It's a fine line. Because you can overdo it as well. Yeah, for sure. You yeah, could yeah. drop too many things in and your reader is like, I don't care. Or the person watching the movie is like, yeah, yeah, okay, let's get back to the actual thing I care about. That or they don't even see all the small little things. Yeah, you could add all the small little stuff and it doesn't even mm-hmm. hit. You know, it's just like, okay, that was weird that they put that in. Yeah. You as the writer... You know what you were trying to correlate, mm-hmm. but then as a the reader, they might go like, <laughs> "Yeah." Mm. I feel like that's definitely like um, a challenge for a creator is to have that fine line of knowing when to have the aha moment and when to not put in. Like so many little things well it could like if we go back to music right it could be a thing of like do i do more or do i do less Mm -hmm. you know because some people they'll listen to the same track that they've been working on for the past week they've heard it hundreds of times but they're still wondering if they should put a snare drum on that one little Mm -hmm. hit right and they're just like i don't know and then they put it in and they're like is that better did that sound better than last time then they take it out and they just keep doing this cycle mm-hmm. sometimes you just have to call it mm-hmm. you know it is what it is and put it out there mm-hmm. like when I was writing uh, my book I would just write some of the stuff I don't like I haven't gone back and edited it mm-hmm. right it's September I finished writing in February I think January February mm-hmm. I haven't looked at it at all mm-hmm. I don't remember a bunch from it Mm-hmm. I'm sure when I go back, it's going to be garbage, mm-hmm. and I'm going to have to change everything. Mm-hmm. But that's all the little things. Eventually, I'm just going to have to say, it's done, mm-hmm. you know? Mm-hmm. And put it out. Okay. Okay. Mm. I mean, is this helping you with your creative writing like giving you some tips yeah yeah it's it's definitely giving me some tips for sure because um because like when i write right i try i honestly try to go like as basic as possible Mm -hmm. but to have like some descriptive stuff in it right like here if i pull something up from it to give you an example this might take a little bit. It's fine. Take your time. Um, but what would you like? What would you like? Just like... Just give me a setting. A setting? Yeah. Okay. Um, first one. It don't matter. A first one. Um, Good or bad. See, see, me, I feel like it does matter. Well, yeah, because you're the person that wrote that. Yeah. So the thing is, is like... So with writing, anything, right? Mm-hmm. When it comes to settings or a character, you have to care about it. Mm-hmm. And you have to care about it like that person or place is real. 
because you want other people to get engulfed in that feeling Mm -hmm. right but then there's a moment as a writer i believe that you have to stop caring for sure because if you care too much you're never gonna quit writing Mm -hmm. or release it it's just gonna sit Mm -hmm. you know eventually you just have to stop caring Mm. and then bang let it go and then let the people decide whether they care or not i see okay so for my example right Mm -hmm. it's a watchtower called king's watch Mm -hmm. right and it's um at the opening of a canyon that has a gateway and literally all i have for it is the name king's watch name of watchtower uh near gateway of canon canyon right mm-hmm. but i f- like me i feel like there needs to be more mm-hmm. right i feel like you need to describe what it looks like describe the gateway describe the canyon well yeah is, but is there traffic is there not traffic for you right now as the writer mm-hmm. that's for you to decide later mm-hmm. you know what i mean mm-hmm. so right now i would say that's fine mm-hmm. it's not good or great or anything it's just fine because mm-hmm. you have a starting place mm-hmm. and then you can go from there what does the watchtower look like the gate the canyon mm-hmm. the road like you said traffic is there a bunch of people coming in and out mm-hmm. or are there guards standing there mm-hmm. and there's a long line mm-hmm. you know mm-hmm. So, so like for another example, right? This is a city that's on the mountains in the middle of. When you say on the mountains, it's literally like it's it's like on the mountain. Okay. Like, like it's it's not like it's not like they build like their own ledge or anything, but like it's like made on the mountain. Like you have, um, it's like a tiered city, almost. Kind of, kind of, yeah. right? literally all i have like i don't say like there's tears or anything i literally just say city on the mountain in this specific forest that's literally all i say but i've like but the thing is 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 anybody ever gonna go there i don't know and see that's the thing if they go there then that information is pertinent if they never go there why do we need to know what it looks like? So, so do you think as a writer, as a creative writer making settings, do you think that you should only make the setting have more information when like the reader or the person involved goes to that setting? So like, okay, so like for you you're creating a world, yeah, for like a D&D game. Yeah. Right? So if you were to write a book mm-hmm. and try and sell it of your world, right, for other people to use and everything, mm-hmm. you'd have to put in everything, mm-hmm. right? So that way, whoever is the DM for that group that bought your book and wants to play in your world, he can create whatever story he wants in your world, but he needs to know every little thing mm-hmm. about every place. Mm-hmm. You as the writer, don't, because mm-hmm. you can just make it up. Yeah. So, so basically what you're saying is like, um, right, because on this continent that I'm making, right, there's f- four quadrants pretty much, right? The top left quadrant is completely finished, like literally down to the T, mm-hmm. like every little detail, right? So do you think as a writer, I'm 
not necessarily done because I'm not done, mm-hmm. right? But would you say that, like, that's good enough, right? Because from 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 what what is gonna happen, right, is that most likely you guys are gonna you know stay in that quadrant for a little bit, mm-hmm. and only when you adventure away, that's when I need to start writing again. Right. Or do you think it's better to have like, right, like um not have like such basic descriptions right where it's just like city on a mountain in this wilderness right do you think it should be city on a mountain in the wilderness and then have slightly more descriptions so it's easier to write it when you guys explore it all depends because like city on the mountain example right Mm -hmm. you know what you could put like it's tiered and everything right because it'll slope down the mountain Mm -hmm. right and then as we enter, if it has like districts, each district might be different. That's when you need to describe stuff like that. That's when we as players need to know what's happening. Mm-hmm. And if we go all over the place, hit every district in this city, we need to know all the information. What we're seeing, is it more of a poor neighborhood? Is it rich? Is it middle class? Is it... You know, or is it just a rich city? Mm-hmm. You know, we just bunch of kings live here, mm-hmm. and that's what it is. We need to know that as players, but we only need to know the what information we need to know. If we never go to District D, we don't need to know what it looks like. We may need to know what kind of people live there. Is it, like I said, rich? Is it gang infested? Is there a bunch of mm-hmm. sick people? Is there a plague there? Mm-hmm. You know, that kind of stuff. So so do you think, as the writer though, right? Yeah, if a, if a player never goes there, right? Technically you could say the writer never has to write it, but do you think that the writer has to have at least some writing about it like more descriptive writing about that certain area because there's a slight chance that the that po- they will go that there. they will will go there. Okay, so you're in a very interesting spot, right? Mm-hmm. Because you could literally cuz you're going to DM it, right? Mm-hmm. You could literally just write it on the spot mm-hmm. if you wanted to. Mm-hmm. I wouldn't do that. Yeah. I'd at least have, you know, a little bit. A, a guideline. And then if they need to know more past whatever guideline you have, then you can come up with it on the spot. You can end the session. Mm-hmm. You know, however. Yeah, okay. So, like, for example, right, there's this town. Uh, I need to find it. It's called Patara, mm-hmm. right? And I literally have everything written down, right? So I have the districts, the government, um, culture, the culture, right? Crime. I even have crime, the geography, Mm -hmm. right? I have all of this. I have the districts, what they look like. Economy. Economy, right? I have the districts, what they look like, what happens in those districts, who may rule those districts, right? Mm -hmm. I have all of that. Right, but there's definitely a chance if you guys were to go there that you might not hit every hit everything. Thing. So you think, as I'm writing, right? There's definitely some things that I should just have full detail in, like government, culture, 
economy. If, if this is just for us to play as a game, mm-hmm. you don't need a lot because you can always come up with it on the fly. You can always end the session so that you have more time to write. Mm-hmm. If it's something that you eventually want to turn into a book and sell, they need every bit of information just about. Mm-hmm. So so if it's just for us, right? So so Yeah, you don't need that much information. So like for the the city of Patara, right? There's a it's an underground city, right? And it has layers, like think of it as like um, an ant farm, mm-hmm. right? Where they have like they have the surface level, then they have you know the tunnel level and then they have like where they sleep level right mm-hmm. there's three different levels there's the walk-in layer the terror layer and the axis layer right and each layer i have like homes if, if it's like a place of homes is it where the military is is this where the workforce happens mm-hmm. what influence is in this district right because there might be like I said, a gang, right? So in this district, the gang leader might have influence over this district, or maybe the government has a district over that, or influence right. over that district, right? So do you think I should just have like a basic? So I'll, I'll read like the the Walken layer, right? It is, the Walken layer is a divide between impoverished homes and humble temples, and the barracks of the Viday Keep, where many of the sunken wardens of the Maelstrom Concord's army remain until called. Mm-hmm. Do you think that is enough for that district to just play, or do you think there should be more? That's fine to play in, but you may have to... Because I don't know what kind of story you're going to tell and what pertinent information may be in that district. Mm-hmm. You know, we may never have to go there, so you may never have to write it. Or maybe we're there almost all the time, mm-hmm. so we're going to need to know a bunch of things there. Mm-hmm. It, it's all depending on what story you're telling. Mm-hmm. Okay, okay, okay. Okay, I'm starting to understand a lot more now. <laughs> um, I'm definitely not feeling as bad uh, about, like, having to write like these long paragraphs Mm -hmm. right because like basically i would say for us playing the game write what you think is pertinent Mm -hmm. if you plan on selling it as a book Mm -hmm. you better put everything in there Mm -hmm. (laughs) okay so so you're saying i don't really necessarily need to complete the content for us to play it no you're just saying i should have small descriptions you should have enough to where if we go somewhere where you don't have a lot of information, you at least have enough to where you can end the session there. Or make it up as I go. Or make it up as you go. But if you're going to make it up as you go, you better be writing down what you're saying or have a recorder going so that we know what's going on. Mm-hmm. And you don't show up next week and you're like, I don't necessarily remember what happened, so <laughs> we're just kind of going to make things up from yeah. here on out. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, once again, it's always that fine, fine line. Fine line. <laughs> yeah. Well, then, uh, you know, I don't feel so bad anymore. I I don't feel bad. I think that's the problem with a lot of people who are creative. They feel bad 
because it's not going exactly how they planned in their mind. Mm-hmm. Music, painting, writing, making movies, whatever it is, mm-hmm. people are always so critical about themselves. Mm-hmm. We're all our hardest critics. Mm-hmm. You know, nothing I do will never live up to what I want it to be. Mm-hmm. Anything you do will never live up to what you want it to be. Yeah. Until you start getting, like, you know, affirmations from everybody. Oh, yeah, man, I read your book and it was amazing. You're like, really? And then you hear it from somebody else and then somebody else and somebody else, and you're like, okay, maybe I did create something that's actually worth something. Mm-hmm. Interesting. Well, yeah, yeah, okay. I don't feel. It, it's weird. I mean, after having that little, like, tips and tricks type thing, mm-hmm. I definitely feel like my world is more complete than it actually is. That's good. <laughs> <laughs> that's that's crazy to say. Like, after you said that, like, we could start playing next week. Because, <laughs> <laughs> like, if you think about it, right? Mm-hmm. Like, uh... I love Naruto, right? Mm-hmm. And I bring it up because you know it as well. Yeah. So, like, no one really needs to know everything about Naruto. Mm-hmm. But now Naruto is, like, such a huge phenomenon around the world. Mm-hmm. Hundreds of thousands of people have watched that show, mm-hmm. if not millions, mm-hmm. right? So you do have, like, a slight niche group who do want to know every little thing about each character. Mm-hmm. And they make books that mm-hmm. you know you get to know their height their weight you don't need to know it during the show mm-hmm. but it's just like you know cool little facts to make that's something for when you know you actually create something that people care about mm-hmm. and a big enough audience cares about mm-hmm. I see I see yeah and that stuff you can just come up with that's the- oh yeah Naruto he's uh I don't know, he's 5'9 and 185 pounds. Mm-hmm. Yeah, sure, okay. Yeah, but in the show, he looks like this. Yeah. You know, right? Like, um, like, have you ever seen that little meme where it's like the, the tall minion in Despicable Me, where he's like the long, skinny minion? Mm-hmm. And, and apparently he's like 6'4", but he literally looks like this tall. He's 6'4"? He's like a giant... What? Tall. Are you talking about the minion? The skinny one, the tall skinny one, but he's shorter than Groot. That one. This one. Him. He's six foot four. Uh, he. I think he's like five foot nine or something so like that. So then, how tall is Groot? Yeah. Exactly. Exactly. Right. Right. In the in the in the show, he looks small. Right. The minion looks small. Mm-hmm. Right. But if you get into all the little details, Groot is. Or Gru so, is probably like twenty feet tall. Who found out that he's five foot nine? Not the people wanted them to know, so the creator said he was. The like, creator was just like, yeah, the, that skinny minion is five foot nine. Yeah, and yeah. so Gru is at least twice his height, I think. Mm-hmm. So he's he's like eleven foot. Yeah, he's like eleven, twelve feet tall. Yeah. What in the world? <laughs> I know it's crazy, right? Uh, let's see. Let's see if I can figure out his entire. Uh, Who is the creator of the? Oh, I don't um, know. What is the movie? Despicable Me. Despicable Me. I was gonna say Minion Me. Mm, yeah, no, I, I don't know. Hmm. 
Hmm. Let's see, let's see. How tall was the tallest minion? The tallest minion is 120 centimeters. That isn't... Uh, I don't know. How many... <laughs> or uh, how... Yeah. How many um, feet and inches is 120 centimeters? Oh, never mind. It's actually way smaller than I thought it was. What is it? It's pretty much four foot. Still. Because, like, here, I'm going to look up a picture of Gru. Mm -hmm. Gru and the minions. Mm -hmm. Gru and minions. Let's see. Okay. So, oh. Let's see, is there one skinny one next to him? Okay, here's like child grew. Mm -hmm. So that tall skinny one is four feet. Yes. So he's four feet right there. That means when he's an adult, he's like 16 feet, man. <laughs> yeah, he's super tall. According to the creator. That's insane. Mm-hmm. I want, I want to see if, if there's anything on Google about Gru's actual height. Gru. It's probably going to say something like he's 6'10. <laughs> probably. And that little tiny minion is 4 feet tall. He's approximately 14 feet tall. Oh. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> yeah. So, that's understandable. So, the scientist dude then is like 6 feet tall. The little old man scientist guy. Yeah. And also, I don't know his name. The other evil villain. Is he the guy in the orange suit? The yeah, the guy that looks like Mandark. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, he's like what? He probably like seven feet. Mm -hmm. Seven, eight feet, maybe. That's insane. <laughs> yeah. That means the kids. They're they're like they're, okay, they're like four or five feet tall. Yeah, yeah. That's still crazy because the one little girl, she's what, four years old, five years old. Mm-hmm. That's crazy. Mm-hmm. That's a meme. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like 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 um like there's a whole bunch of memes where it's just like if a guy isn't taller than this minion, I don't want him. Or something <laughs> like that. <laughs> and yeah, like it like that just shows to you where it's like you don't need those intricate details to make a movie or, you know, a a book or something interesting. Mm-hmm. Right, because Despicable, Despicable Me, everyone knows that Gru's taller than these minions, right? But you don't need to know their exact well, measurements. Usually you want your main character to have a uh, defining feature. Yeah. And it could be physical, it could be emotional or whatever. So Gru's thing might just be he's really, really, really tall. Well, no, his thing is the, like, long nose and oblong shape of his body. Oh, that, that too. Because, like, before the creator said that, you know, no one knew he was 14 feet tall. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Everyone just knew he was taller than minions. Yeah. And, yeah. So I wonder if that means, like, because I know they have minions at, like, Universal Studios. I've never seen them in person. And I... Well, kind of want to go see him now to see if they're like four feet tall in person you know and he was just like oh yeah they're four feet tall just because of that 
Mm. That'd be crazy. You just walk up to a minion in Universal Studios and it's just like, like slightly below your chest. <laughs> and then, can you imagine if they had like a life-sized Gru statue? Jeez. And you just don't look up at it. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, like something like that, right? You could take into account with like writing where it's like, you don't need all those intricate details to form something or a story. So what's your favorite movie? You have one. Mm. Eesh, I don't know. Okay, so we'll go with favorite video game then. Because I know you like Sly Cooper, right? Yeah. What is it about Sly Cooper you like? Is it the characters? Is it the gameplay? Is it the setting? Uh, I'd say it's a little mix of both, but it's definitely the characters. The de- the characters, I definitely feel like they bring the environment to life. And it's because their personalities show through mm-hmm. in little ways, right? Because you have uh, Murray mm-hmm. and his van. Yeah. You got Bentley and all the tech stuff. And then Sly Cooper, he's just sly. Mm-hmm. I mean. Mm-hmm. Yeah. He's cool bad boy who steals everything. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. So it's it's definitely the characters that stand out, right? But I mean, like, you can like you can go to a setting in the video game and be like, "Wow, this setting is really cool." Like when they went to like the outback, right? And they had the coyotes, they had the guru. Yeah, it's all the little stuff that they put in there. Because if they said you were in the outback and you were just in a city, Mm -hmm. you wouldn't really know you were supposed to be like in Australia mm-hmm. you know because you could have been in New York Chicago you know any of these other places mm-hmm. but it's because they do the little things the coyotes the koala bear that hugs your guys's head or back or whatever yeah yeah so um yeah so so the little things do matter but only when you go there because like in the in the game right you can scroll through the levels, of course, right? And mm-hmm. I mean, like, it'll be, like, slightly, like, blacked out or, like, grayed out. Mm-hmm. So you can, like, still see the image, right? So you're like, oh, dang. Level number six is um, a medieval town or something, right? And you're like, dang, that's really cool. But then when you go into the city, right, it's all of these, like, weird animal creatures, right? And it's, like, gargoyles and bats and a literal spider woman yeah you know it's just like another good example of like a setting like that Mm -hmm. is uh the overwatch games i can't remember what the one uh map is called i think it's eichenwald where it's the castle and everything and it's overgrown with vegetation it's got overgrown vegetation it's got dead robots some of the walls are just blasted through and everything it tells a story without you needing to know the whole story mm-hmm. you know you don't see any dead people or anything you see a bunch of dead robots what does that tell you mm-hmm. robots probably lost yeah it's overgrown by vegetation so this happened a long time ago mm-hmm. and it was probably really brutal because a lot of the walls are just blown up and all this kind of stuff yeah everything is shattered there's debris everywhere yeah mm-hmm. so, so it's mostly you don't Mm, but, that, but that's with a visual art mm-hmm. you know with a book it, it's kind of I, I feel like it's harder to master that mm-hmm. and get it you know perfect right on that line where it's not too much and not too little well I mean I, I definitely think if there's a visual aspect to it you can definitely master it in writing right because like 
for example, right? If we'll go with the Overwatch Eichenwald map, right? Mm-hmm. If you were reading that, right, and someone said these people visit an overgrown, um, battle-worn castle that has dead or inactivated robots everywhere, debris scattered everywhere, right? right? I mean, you could definitely get the same feeling, right? Mm -hmm. But I feel like you would have to put more in writing than you do in the visuals, right? Because, like, you can say that, you know, this thing is overgrown and something, right? But, I mean, like, is it overgrown with, like, little leaves and, like, little vegetation? Or is it, like, just straight up, like, 12 feet tall, like, weeds? Yeah. Right? Like a Legend of Korra. Yeah. When the Earth started taking over, I think. Uh, It was... I think it's the spirit world. The spirit world. The spirit world started colliding. Mm -hmm. And, like, you had, like, these, like, 14 feet vines just, like, curl around, like, whole buildings. Or rip straight through them and all Mm -hmm. that. Yeah. Yeah. So, I think it's definite... Like you said, it's definitely harder when writing because I feel like you have to put slightly more Mm -hmm. description to tell you know like the same sort of feeling with visuals or it's the I I feel like it's the same master mastery level Mm -hmm. because like you can be really really good with words Mm -hmm. but then you take that same person and try and put it into a visual they may not get right they may get close but not as good as somebody who is a visual master. Mm-hmm. And that visual master may not be able to put that into words. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's definitely like their own kind of craft thing. Which is why with like movies, it's not just like the director mm-hmm. and that's it. Mm-hmm. You know, because the director may not be very knowledgeable about lights. He knows enough to, you know, like say what he wants, but he doesn't know how to actually... Mm-hmm. make it happen mm-hmm. you know make the magic happen yeah the the director is like so I have I envision envision a scene where it's dark moody this and that right and the light guy's like okay we need to have a light this far away to create like a s- sense of darkness mm-hmm. and you know there might be multiple different color lights right like yes. if someone's outside and it's in the middle of night you don't want like a bright yellow light from a lamppost unless he's right next to it but you also mm-hmm. want to have the light from the moon right yeah, from the moon or it could be the lamppost is far away so you can see it off in the distance and it's just like this tiny little light mm-hmm. yeah yeah but i would definitely say that writing and like visuals it's it, it's definitely like its own kind of mastery yeah right but in my opinion, it's harder to write, right? Well, I think that's just because you're not very good at it yet. Maybe. You haven't practiced enough. It's all practice. Definitely. But, like, um, like when I'm creating, um, like, buildings and stuff, mm-hmm. I find it a lot easier to write it when I have a visual. Oh, yeah, because you get to see every little detail. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And plus, like, you can't image in your head like me, right? Mm-hmm. So, 
there's nothing there. Yeah. You can say all the words you want all yeah. day long, mm-hmm. and it's just darkness. Yeah, because like if I make a visual, it's just so much easier to just be like, oh, the visual has a cracked window, so I'm gonna put that in writing, right? Mm-hmm. You walk up to a old decrepit building that has a cracked window on the right side, right? Mm-hmm. You know, stuff like that. But like, if I picture that in my head, right? Like, I I don't see anything, right? So it's harder for me to put it into words. Yeah, no, I totally like when I was writing, mm-hmm. right? Or I was writing the other day, right? Mm-hmm. I was trying to figure out how to because I felt like I was just repeating the same thing over and over again I was just like forget it I'm just going to repeat because I can't come up with anything right now mm. and it, it's not because the setting wasn't changing mm-hmm. it was the same setting right but slight things are changing in it but I didn't know how to make it interesting mm-hmm. without it being boring mm-hmm. and I literally just had to stop writing because I was like I've got nothing I literally have nothing mm-hmm. yeah like that. that's why I'm starting to get used to um, the Tailspire mm-hmm. uh, game because like when I'm like showing my world and stuff right because you know I know that some of us have limitations Mm-hmm. Right, with like visual and like making stuff up in their mind, right? So, I think it's definitely beneficial to have a visual effect or not effect, but um, a visual thing to help them understand what it looks like or, or what's going on, right? Mm-hmm. Well, you could also use that, like, if you're having trouble creating something new. You could create like a whole new city, town, or whatever, and then what you see, you just describe it on paper, mm-hmm. like how you're saying you use an image, and then you just bang mm-hmm. right there. You could do it that way too. Yeah, that's that's very true. That'd probably be the easiest way to do it for you, because then you could just be like, oh well, that kind of looks off, so I'm just gonna move this building over here and this and then the other, mm-hmm. and then you just put it all on paper. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because. I'm not gonna lie, sometimes, like, I have a hard time just envisioning my city, mm-hmm. right? And it's just like, you know, I know that this and this are here, but, like, where do they go, mm-hmm. right? Like, that's that's what I want to do. I want to make maps of, like, cities. Not just for me, but for you, but mostly for me, you know? <laughs> <laughs> just to know where everything is at, right? Well, that's another thing. That's what I was talking about earlier about if you describe too much, mm-hmm. people get confused about where every little thing is. Mm-hmm. And so you also got to watch out for that. Mm-hmm. You don't want to put too much into a city and then it's like, mm-hmm. I don't even know. Because, like, you know, sometimes you go driving somewhere and if you didn't have Google Maps, you'd never find the place. Oh, yeah. Ever. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Because, like, um, like, you know, in some certain areas of towns, right? They'll have just, like, an entire block of just, like, restaurants. And then you go down the street, more restaurants, more restaurants. Yeah. And then, you know, most of the time it's not even just restaurants. You have, you know, like, Jack in the Box, Ross, um, a grocery store, (laughs) you know? It's just, like, I'm just trying to find, like, Starbucks or something, right? Mm -hmm. 
and like it has like that sign where it has like all the different logos mm-hmm. and they're like that small or like super tiny and it's just like uh, I'm trying to look at the billboard but I'm trying to try <laughs> and then sometimes Google Maps don't even get it right mm-hmm. so I had to go get uh, my fingerprints done mm. for the job interview right and it was like they told me to go to the sheriff's office and I was like okay no problem it's probably by the courthouse right I go to the courthouse, or I use, I'm using Google Maps and everything, and it's telling me, go down this way, go down this way, following it perfectly, right? And then you know how sometimes out here we just have roads that just end? Mm-hmm. <laughs> There's no houses around, it's just desert afterwards. Yeah. So I come up to a stop sign, and it says, you are at your destination on your right. And I look to my right. And it's just desert. <laughs> it's just nothing there. It's nothing but desert. And I look to my left, and it's the courthouse. So how is that my destination? Mm-hmm. So I had to go inside the courthouse and ask somebody, like, oh, go back on the road and take a right, and it's right there. And it was right there. Mm. Huh. That is weird. Yeah. But I definitely think when it comes to visual, you can get away with having a lot more if that makes any sense. Like, like if you're describing, like, we'll go way back in the conversation. A person enters a room, there's a table, a desk, mm-hmm. a bookshelf, a thing in the corner, right? I feel like in visual, you can have all that. But in writing, it's detrimental. Yeah, definitely, because with the visual aspect, like, if you see a messy desk, mm-hmm you know how that kind of person acts Mm -hmm. you know but if you go into like a story and write it out like they have this and that on their desk and it's a place like this that's way too much you just say there's a messy desk Mm -hmm. you know Mm -hmm. yeah i definitely think that's another good thing about visual is Mm -hmm. you can have more of like the small little things Mm -hmm. just to help better describe Definitely, because if they have like a bunch of technological gear on their desk, you can kind of tell what that person's into. Or if they have more, I don't know, anime characters, you know what that person's into. If they have a whole bunch of notebooks and books and stuff, you can either be like, well, maybe they're a student, maybe they're just a creative writer or something like that, you know? Mm -hmm. You can definitely tell a lot more. Yeah. So, I... That's why when it comes to like writing, I think picture books are hands down (laughs) the best. Like if someone were to make like a 300 page long book and have just like pictures, like every like 15, 20 pages, it would be so much more helpful to just everyone. You might like, um, what is the name of that book? I don't know if I have it in here. It was. It, I can't remember the name of the book or the series, but it, the books are about yay big, and the edges of the books don't meet up completely. Mm. They're all like ragged and rigid and everything, and it's made like that. But I think it's like every two or three pages, it has a picture, and it's like the main characters or maybe like the setting or something like that. Mm-hmm. But it's a really cool book. Yeah, like. I definitely think everyone 
benefits from having pictures. But I feel like if there's no pictures, it benefits a very small portion. See, I disagree with that. I think some people don't want pictures at all. Really? They want their image in their head and that's it. Mm. You know? I mean, and if they have a picture, it's messing with that image. Mm-hmm. I mean, I can, I can definitely see that, right? But I feel like having a picture, it conveys more of what the writer wants, mm-hmm. right? So you can, like, start to understand how the writer feels and this and that, right? Well, I think a picture in a book, unless it's, like, a manga or, you know, a little kid's picture book or something like that, pictures and books aren't really there to convey anything. Mm. They're maybe there to just, like, add a little bit of... I guess flavor mm-hmm. you know break up the monotony of words mm-hmm. sometimes you know because mm-hmm. I know some books they'll have it to where like each chapter it'll say like chapter 5 and then the title and then they'll have like a little picture of the, like ones I've seen it'll be like either what previously happened in the last chapter and it'll be that picture mm-hmm. or it'll be you know something hinting at the future yeah mm. uh, foreshadowing mm-hmm. yeah hmm I can definitely see how you know having pictures and stuff like that help but I don't know I just think pictures are just better I just think they're better <laughs> so does that mean you're gonna start reading all the time to get more words in your brain so you can just use them at a moment's notice I mean Probably not. <laughs> because, like, me, if there's no visual, it's hard to grasp my attention. Well, that, that one book I was just talking about, The Human Rights Movement, it took me six, seven months to read it. Yeah. And it's a 300-page book, mm-hmm. you know, which to you may seem daunting because you don't really read, right? Yeah. To some people, they're like, 300 pages you mean you weren't done with that in a week Mm -hmm. you know yeah like like me like i love comic books Mm -hmm. or like graphic novels right because there's more visual than written right right and i feel like i can understand more Mm -hmm. because of the visuals yeah you can see the facial expressions and Mm -hmm the boom pows and kapow yeah mm-hmm. so do you like all the new movies that are coming out all the superhero movies are you into all that what, what do you mean the new superhero movies like how like they have the... like you know how like the past I want to say decade I think it's been a decade since all like this whole new fad of there's a new superhero movie like every two three months mm. that comes out because you have like what four Thor movies you have like what is that one show that we watched it was like black and white and then went to color and it was about a superhero couple WandaVision WandaVision there's that you got the She-Hulk lawyer oh yeah now yeah Um, you've had Avengers Mm -hmm. however movies that is you have Iron Man Captain America all them how do you feel about that Mm. because you like comic books but are you with this whole Black Panther I think the second one's coming out soon mm. in November I think 
interesting. See, ooh, that's hard. That's hard. Because I definitely feel like it's dependent on if you're a fan or not. Mm-hmm. Right? Because if you're not a fan, then you don't really care and you're like, you know, I wish they would just make this movie or this book that I'm really into a movie. Right? But if you're a fan of it, you're just like, yes. Well, yes. see, I'm not too sure about that because, like, with Star Wars, the people who hate Star Wars the most is Star Wars fans. Mm. Like, there's no one who hates Star Wars more than a Star Wars fan. Because they'll be like, oh, why'd you do this? Or why'd you do that? Nah. You know what I mean? Mm. I, would, I would definitely say it differs from fan to fan as well. Mm-hmm. Right? Because, I mean... Obviously, there's some fans that would, of course, of you know, course. just watch it to watch it. Yeah. Right. But then there's definitely people that are like, why? I'm talking super fans. Yeah. Yeah. Like, why is this and that? Right. Yeah. Like for me, I'm not really into superheroes, and I don't, I don't really understand why people like superhero and comic books so much. So the whole movie thing is stupid to me. Mm-hmm. Like people, they go see like. I understand they enjoy it and everything. Cool. Fine. I just don't get it. Like, you've seen these characters hundreds of times at this point. And it's like, I know Thanos, I like, I, don't, I haven't seen Endgame. Mm. I think it's Endgame with mm-hmm. Thanos in it. Yeah. And he snapped half of everyone away or something like that. Yeah, he snaps half the population away. It's like, why do I care? That's literally God at that point. Mm-hmm. So why do I care if Doctor Strange can, or if Ant-Man can crawl up his ass and kill him? <laughs> you know, why do I care? Yeah. No, I definitely think it's like your perspective thing, but like the, um, when, it, when, it, when it comes to like getting the superhero thing, I definitely think it's because people... That's what they either want to envision themselves as, or they feel like some sort of connection to them, right? Mm-hmm. Like, like for example, right? Like Superman. Superman is all this and that. He's like indestructible unless you know. He's boring. Yeah. He's yeah. so boring. Yeah, but people can get behind him because underneath all that, he can be relatable, right? It's just like, you know, like. Even though I might not have superpowers, I can feel a certain type of way, right? And people, people like kind of base, like they that. feel like they can be Clark Kent and not Superman. Oh no, like like they can feel like they can be Superman, even though they don't have the superpowers as them, right? They can be like, oh, I'm gonna be all this and that, right? I don't understand that. That don't make no. Like you can't shoot lasers out of your eyes. How are you anything like Superman? I think it's more of because they say they think of it as the personality wise, right? Because Superman is very, um, he's very good, and he does a lot of stuff that's not for himself, right? So if someone is kind of like that, but they're just like, should should I be kind to people? Should I, you know, think of people before me, right? And then they see Superman, right? And it's just like. Oh, there's so many great things happening to him and then there's like a roadblock of like a villain coming in like destroying all that but then everything gets better again right people can be like oh you know i can kind of relate to that because i'm a kind person who okay yeah thinks i can see of that, that right 
one thing I would love to see mm. in a movie, right? And I want it to be a superhero movie. Oh, okay. Even though I don't like superhero movies, I would love to see a superhero movie where everything was realistic. And what I mean by that is, mm. you know how you have all these superhero movies and they just destroy buildings and it's toppled and everything, right? Mm. Whole cities decimated mm -hmm. from their battles. You don't see a single person. Mm hmm not a dead body, not a leg, not a head, nothing. I want to see that. I would love to see that. So what? Just like like an entire burn, uh, like an entire city just gets blown up, and you like what you just see like the remnants of people. And well, yeah, because it's realistic. When you see a, a whole decimated city and all you see is rubble, mm -hmm. that's not realistic. Yeah, I like it when movies are real. You know, you have that real sense. Or TV shows, when TV shows are real. Mm -hmm. Like um, Naruto, for example, right? When Jiraiya dies, you're like, oh, man. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. And it, 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 like, hits you. Why, why do you think it hits so hard? Because you care about him as a character. Mm -hmm. You know, like, you don't want Jiraiya to die. You don't ever want Jiraiya to die. But you understand why it's important to the story. Now, now, do you think that's because of the realism of the show? Or do you think that's just because it's good storytelling? It's both. Right, because you said you wanted like a realistic superhero movie, right? But, I mean, like... Naruto isn't the most realistic. No, of course not. You know? Well, neither is Superman. Yeah. But I mean, like, you just want realistic elements. Yeah. Like, you know, it's okay to go away in, like, a fantasy land, like Naruto, Superman, Harry Potter, anything like that, right? Mm -hmm. But they're all human at the end of the day. We're not really dealing with aliens, mm -hmm. right? These are humans with emotions and feelings. Mm -hmm. But they don't act like it. Mm -hmm. Superman decimates entire cities and he doesn't even feel bad doesn't even feel bad at the end of the day he's like I have destroyed the villain mm -hmm. and but life just goes on but like a normal person like in the moment they might be like hip hip hooray I defeated the villain right but then like later on they might just be like but how many lives did it take mm -hmm. to destroy the villain that's why I really like um, pain in Naruto that whole scene where he was like what about my family what about my village mm -hmm. like that's real mm -hmm. you know of course it's in this fantasy land where he literally just gravitational pushed an entire village into rubble yeah but it's real he's looking at naruto and is like what about me mm -hmm. yeah sure your family and friends they're kind of messed up right now mm -hmm. but what about me that happened to me when i was a little kid mm -hmm. and nobody here is no one's crying Yep. No one cares. Yep. That's real. Mm -hmm. That's why I like it so much. Mm -hmm. I see, I see. And do you think because of that, the real consequences that come from that realism makes it even better? Like if there's like some real realistic en uh, elements, right? But then the consequences from those elements come back right like with the pain thing right mm -hmm. when, when they get the flashback of like oh it's like war after war after war right that's the realistic element right mm -hmm. but then when pain comes to the leaf village right and just blows everything up and he's just like you don't see anyone crying that's the consequence 
of that realistic thing. Oh yeah, absolutely. It, 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 it creates like a even bigger dynamic. It definitely you know? like enhances like everything yeah. and it makes you feel more for sure. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And then it's also like when you have those elements mm-hmm. of realism because mm-hmm. like when you have a movie, book, TV show, anything, you have to care about the characters. Mm-hmm. If I don't care what happens to them, I'm gonna stop watching. Mm-hmm. Like when I was watching, um, what is the name of the show? Jujutsu Kaisen, mm-hmm. right? I didn't care. Mm-hmm. I don't care about any of it. Like they didn't make me care. Mm-hmm. You know, Naruto, for some reason, I don't know why, I cared. And I watched all the way, right? Mm-hmm. With um, what was the other one that uh, I was watching? Demon Slayer. Demon Slayer. I was enjoying it, mm-hmm. like I was legit into it. And then these two annoying characters that I don't care about because of their annoyingness, mm-hmm. I stop watching. Mm-hmm. I just can't care about them. Mm-hmm. And when they're an integral part of the story, how am I supposed to watch it? Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Okay, so like for example, right? Mm-hmm. In we'll, we'll 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 go with the Jujutsu Kaisen and the Demon Slayer concept, right? In Demon Slayer, you have these characters that are annoying, but they're part of the main cast, right? Mm-hmm. That's why you stopped watching. Yeah. But in Jujutsu Kaisen, right? If you have like the main cast, right? Good, like. Like, would you say that because there's technically four main characters? It's mm-hmm. Itadori, uh, Megumi, mm-hmm. the the girl. I think her name is <laughs> the girl. Yeah, I can't remember her name ever. Let me guess. You don't get the last guy's name though, right? Yeah. <laughs> and then Gojo. Mm-hmm. I think her name is Nidori. Don't ask me. I can't. I physically can never remember her name. I don't know why. But, um, but like, right, those four characters, right, would you say you care about those characters? No. Really? Like, those four characters, none of them were annoying. Realistically, nobody in that show was really annoying. Like, there was annoying parts, but nobody was inherently, like, their entire character is, I'm annoying, mm-hmm. right? But none of them were interesting to me. So, Okay. Like, I, I don't understand what was interesting about he ate some really old dude's finger and got a bunch of power. Mm-hmm. I don't understand what's interesting about that. But see, it's it's actually not a lot of power. Com- comparatively. Comparatively, it's... Like, it's, it's not a lot of power. It's not a lot of power, right? Because I understand, like, Gojo is supposed to be, like, this almost god mm-hmm. of a fighter and everything. Mm-hmm. But he's not interesting. Because I don't see the struggle. So so if if you saw him struggle, like like for example, right, in the beginning, right, mm-hmm. he's portrayed as this almighty force that can never be defeated, and then you watch, watch, and right, you see him fight, and you're like, oh, you know, it's cool, you know, I I know that he's you know this almighty force that can't be defeated, right? Cool, but what if you see him later on? get absolutely stomped by someone. Here's my problem with that, right? So mm-hmm. I know I'm going to sound like a Naruto fanboy, but Kakashi and Gojo are like 
almost like one of the same kind of character because they're the teacher to the main character. Yeah. So Kakashi, when you first see him, he seems like, you know, badass, strongest guy. You're like, whoa, how could anybody ever defeat him, right? And then, you know, he, he's always pulling out new tricks. But then there's a point where he's no longer the strongest, mm-hmm. you know? I don't know where that point is. But there comes a point in time where Naruto's got to, you know, pick it up, you know? Because mm-hmm. Kakashi can't keep up anymore mm-hmm. for whatever reason. Mm-hmm. Gojo, it's just, to me, is kind of boring because you don't see that progression. And I know you've said that eventually it does yeah. show that. But I want to see it at the beginning. I don't want to see you at your strongest. That's boring. Well, I want to see the real struggle. Well, Give me the realness. Well, I mean, in the beginning of Naruto, you don't see the real struggle with Kakashi. You don't see it for a really long time. You don't see that for a really long time, but what you do see is progression. Yeah. From when they first meet him until, you know, he's no longer strong anymore. And then that's when you start seeing the real struggle mm. I feel like now now would you say the progression is more of a degression because you don't really see him gain power you you feel like he's losing power because everyone else around him is gaining power in a way yeah you could put it that way yeah because so, I mean it makes it more interesting because this man is supposed to teach three children mm-hmm. how to survive out in the ninja world and he ain't even the strongest guy out there. Mm-hmm. That's interesting. This guy is supposed to teach three children how to live in. I don't know what they are. They're not. What are they called? The well, they they just call it the Jujutsu Society. Yeah, they're in that. And he is like the strongest guy ever. Mm-hmm. It's not interesting. Because anything he comes across, he's just going to destroy. What's the point of watching that? Yeah. Like, sure, the visuals are cool, big explosions and all that, but it's like, to me, it's like a superhero movie. Mm-hmm. I already know who's going to win in the end. It's not interesting. But but what what if, right, they make this character like this, right? And then, right, like, let's say Gojo goes into a fight, right? And Gojo is just like... Like, you know for a fact, because every other fight that they've shown, he just is just better, mm-hmm. right? Like, GG, diff, right? What what if you have that expectation, you're just like, wow, another fight, he's probably just going to stop. And, like, you see him struggle. Like, you finally see this almighty force finally struggle against an opponent. and then And then after that struggle there's like internal turmoil within himself he's like but i thought i was supposed to just be the strongest and this and that which is interesting okay but but it takes so long to get there with kakashi it's kind of up in the forefront because you know he's what joning level Mm -hmm. so you're like oh wow so they're they're nothing compared to him and then there's stuff above him Mm -hmm. you know Mm-hmm. And it's just like, we're supposed to learn from this guy, but he's pretty much a nobody. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Even though everyone knows who he is, he's a nobody compared to the other ninja. Gojo, he's the guy. He, he is the 
guy. Uh, That's not interesting. When, when, you, when you mean the guy, what do you mean? Meaning, like, everyone knows he's going to win every time. Mm-hmm. And there's most likely not going to be struggle until there is because the plot needs it. Mm. And you just think that's disappointing? Don't you? Not really. I, I, I love the whole image thing where it's like... Where you see a character, right? And he's built up to be this whole thing, right? And then in the beginning, right, it keeps... That betrayal, right? But then the further you get into the story, the more you realize he's not this big old powerful thing, right? It's actually, it could just be like, you know, a, a facade. But it takes so long to get out. Like, I want the realness up front. Just give it to me. Mm-hmm. Give me the realness. See, that, that's definitely like a difference between people. Some people like, you know, um, build up. Right. Well, some people don't. I like build up. You, you, you like build up, but you want it faster. Well, not necessarily because I watch Naruto. Yeah. I just want it. I want it there in the beginning, because with Naruto, you know, you can see that he doesn't really have anybody in the beginning, right? So that's something. Then he meets his team. Oh, he doesn't like one of his teammates, but he really likes his teammate. That's a thing. Oh, his teacher is, like, a badass. That's awesome. But then you slowly find out, oh, he's not really all that. So, okay, here's a question for you now. Do you think that you would be just as bored as... uh, Would you just be just as bored watching Naruto as you are Jujutsu Kaisen is, is instead of Kakashi... It was the Hokage teaching the kids. And the Hokage was... Right, the Hokage is the best person in the village, right? Mm-hmm. But you see later on in the story that it turns out the Hokages aren't really all that, right? Mm-hmm. Would, would you still be as disappointed? Because, I mean, that's literally the exact same dynamic in Jujutsu Kaisen. But now you're just putting it in the world of Naruto. I would say it's a little different because there are different villages. Mm-hmm. And of course, if you only explore the one village, like the only time, like in the very beginning that you start hearing about other villages is the tuning exams. Mm-hmm. And you don't even go to the other villages. Mm-hmm. You stay in the leaf village, mm-hmm. right? So for all I know, sure the Hokage is the best guy in the leaf village, mm-hmm. but that's it the best one in the leaf village it's like in the title mm-hmm. you know gojo is like the way they portray it at least the best guy bar none mm-hmm. in, in the jujitsu society yeah mm-hmm. and that's just what it seems like and you just don't like that it i don't like it being up front i want to see some struggle mm-hmm. you know with naruto the main character and with uh, Kakashi, and they do the little bell test thing. That struggle, you know, and then having to figure out, you know, do we give Naruto food or do we let him starve? That struggle, mm-hmm. that struggle, all up front. The only struggle I get is from from Jujutsu Kaisen is um, Yuji. Mm-hmm. 
That's it. You don't get it from Megumi? Where I don't care about them though. Literally the first episode he almost dies. I don't care about him. Okay. Why would I I don't know anything about him. I don't care about him. Okay. Now, do you think that you may not care about a character but you can like them later on? Yeah. Once their story starts to yeah, but, get but, unfolded. But that's when it starts to get going. Mm. You see, it sounds like you want it to get going right away. Yeah. Give me some real stuff right off the bat. Mm-hmm. Right off the rip. Mm-hmm. See, he almost died, right? Which is something big because he's a main character. Mm-hmm. But I don't care about the main character. Mm-hmm. Or one of the main characters. Mm-hmm. And that's just because... They haven't given me a reason. Mm-hmm. There's no reason for me. What, just because he's going to be in the show a lot, I should care about him? Mm-hmm. You know, it's the same thing with Demon Slayer. Yeah. I don't know the Boarhead and Yellow Jacket guy. I don't know their names. Mm-hmm. Why do I care about them? Mm-hmm. One is so seriously annoying that I don't even want to watch the show because of him. Yeah. And Boarhead guy, okay, he's kind of cool because mm-hmm. he's crazy. Mm-hmm. But other than that, I don't care about him as a character. So if, if they gave you a reason off the bat, right, mm-hmm. then you would have something, you, you, you would be more inclined. Like, I feel like with those characters, I have nothing to latch on to. With, um, I don't know his name, the main character of Demon Slayer is... Tanjiro. Him. You see the struggle almost right away. Mm-hmm. with him mm-hmm. and you're there and you feel it and then when it comes to the training with him trying to cut the rock and everything you feel every bit of that like that episode where he finally cuts the rock is I'd say probably better than any Naruto episode really wow and I love Naruto mm-hmm. but that episode like it hit <laughs> so different <laughs> right so for me it's just like I go from caring about this kid his sister his family his family's dead and I still care about his family Mm -hmm. to now I have to deal with him his uh, ghoul they call them ghouls right or is that a different show what do they call the monsters and then just demons right yeah demons okay him his now demon sister or like half demon I don't really know and two annoying characters Mm -hmm. so two out of the four main characters I already hate Mm -hmm. one doesn't even talk anymore so why do I care Mm -hmm. and now he is having to deal with these three annoying characters well wouldn't you say there's like always a struggle between him and his demon sister yeah but it's, it's not interesting because you're not learning enough of it fast enough in my opinion mm. you know like I know Naruto has the uh, like it's really bad because it's over explains everything you know you yeah. learn one new thing and they gotta like spend an episode explaining it Yeah, and I understand that it does suck but at least at the end you understand it mm-hmm. I don't remember how many episodes I watched but they were so annoying that even if I cared about the struggle there they were so annoying that I just couldn't mm-hmm. handle it anymore. It was, you know, when you're like a little kid 
and someone's just like nagging you and you know poking at you and everything that's what it felt like watching that mm. honestly really yeah wow that's crazy I mean like I can definitely say that those two characters are quite annoying but I mean like they have their cool moments and but that first know? part of Demon Slayer man I was so in it had me like like you know when you watch a show and you're like kind of getting into it and you get more into it and then you get more into it and you're like oh my god this is amazing and then the show just grabs you by the shirt and pulls you in mm-hmm. that's what it did for me mm. and then it, it, it dropped me off a cliff <laughs> <laughs> yeah but in Jujutsu Kaisen you never got that grab no, because it's just nothing. Because I couldn't care about anybody. Mm. Why do I care about Eugene? Mm-hmm. I don't. Mm-hmm. Why do I care about the dog dude? Mm-hmm. He's got a cool power. Mm-hmm. That's about it. Mm-hmm. The girl, eh. Mm-hmm. Gojo, too powerful. Mm-hmm. Right off the rip. I mean, I can, I can see your perspective, right? Because, you know, when when I was watching it. Right, I only saw those dynamics, but now I have like so much more information than you do. Well, of course, so, yeah. so I'm just like, well, like that's not true, you know. But and, and I see what you're saying. I definitely like, see your perspective. When people first watch Naruto, they're like, "Man, this is slow. Why do I care about this kid and his teacher? And then he steals a scroll and this and that." Mm-hmm. And I'm just like, "Just keep watching. Mm-hmm. Just keep watching. You'll love it. I promise." Mm-hmm. And I understand that's how you feel about it. Yeah. But man, I don't care about anybody. Mm-hmm. There's like, I thought the lava head guy was kind of cool mm-hmm. and funny. Mm-hmm. I cared more about him than any other character. Really? Why is that? Because he was like a funny character and he seemed like to actually have a personality. Mm-hmm. Like the one guy he was with kind of looked like a samurai guy I think he had a scar on his face he didn't have a personality Yuji don't have a personality Dog Dude don't have a personality the girl don't have a personality and Gojo don't have a personality mm-hmm. in my opinion mm-hmm. I think between the four main characters Gojo is the one with the most personality mm-hmm. and that's just because he like makes a whole bunch of like funny he's like, like um, Mike Guy and yeah. Kakashi put together. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I can kind of see that. Matt, I just wish you would just <laughs> keep watching. I wish you'd just keep watching. You know? Well, I'd have to start from the beginning again. Because all I really remember is that he eats a finger. Mm. We should We should watch it. We should watch it. Like, we should just have, like, a day. Where we just watch it. Well, how about today? Watch a couple episodes. I can't. Dang. <laughs> but you'd be down for that? Sure. Sure. Oh, I'll try it. Yeah. Yes. How about this? We'll cut this here. Okay. Because we're almost at three hour mark. Sounds good. Well, thank you. Thank for you. Doing this. Thank you. No, I'm. I'm glad because I'm starting your podcast now, which means you have to make it episode two, and episode three. And then we'll just keep going from there. Exactly. Well, thank you again. Mm -hmm. No problem. And we'll 